everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. My name is Ben Hansen, but I'm not alone, thank God. I'm joined by, let's see, first to wave, Kyle Hilliard. Hey, are, are you mad at me? Because I haven't been on for like two weeks. Is that true? Yeah. I, um... <laughs> you guys <laughs> talked about Final Fantasy 15 without me, and I was oh, just offended. Well, just, you, can just only, offended. you can only do so many spots. We can talk about it again. <laughs> it's funny. I, I still think, have it in me. I think it's a nice lesson in like everybody being scared of everybody and everything. Cause like in the Monday meeting, I was talking to uh, Sarah and Jeff and I was like, I think Serial might be mad at me, but now look at this. You're on Kyle. Nobody's mad at you. And Serial okay. Vasquez is going to be joining us for the second half of this show. So if he is mad at me, he's really going to let her rip on air and it's going to be a hell of a good time. Uh, we're joined by the queen of 15, Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Uh, good Almost game still. Done. Almost done with Final Fantasy 15. Really jumped the shark there. Really? What? That game, really, 0 to 100, I love it. It's not boring. It's like, it's not boring. That's the good thing I will say about that game. It's just it's just weird by it's the end? It's just constant, like, pace changing. Like, you're Ooh. going 0 to 100. You're fishing, and then suddenly horrible things are happening around you. And, like, I feel like Noctis needs to do, like, a YouTube apology video <laughs> for everything that's happened in the game. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, and, but my God. And also, Ignis is constantly like, I've come up with a new recipe when he new found a recipe. Right. He found it written on a piece of paper, and he's like, look what I came up with. It's like, no, dude. I thought he saw mushroom. I thought that like I picked up a mushroom and he was like, new recipe. I have a new recipe. <laughs> do you think um do you think the world would be a better place if every leader of every country made a YouTube apology video? It's like, hey, here's the deal with our country. Here's why we've had some struggles. Do you think that would just be like a new base setting? And it's like world peace starts now. Upload I those think YouTube the memes shorts. that would result from it would be more world PC than the apology. Yeah, because it'd be a lot of sweaty leaders chugging water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, Leo Vader's also here. Hey, no thing for me. No thing just Leo Vader. for you. I don't know. What do you want, man? What have you been up to? Uh, just hanging, man. What's up with you? Um, not much. Uh, Sarah! Guess what? Uh, last night you were on um, the series premiere of yes. Ana Diaz's new show, kind of the spiritual successor to Refreshed, which was mm-hmm. Ana's Internet Cafe talking about Hatsune Miku. You were talking all about Hatsune Miku. Which is a lot to talk about. Yeah. I was interested in like the first episode and she said, oh, we're going to do Vocaloids. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Did you did you like show stuff off? Like, can you describe this new show? Because I haven't had a chance to edit it and yeah, put it up on I YouTube mean, yet. We did. It's sort of like a crash course in what it is. And then it's more conversational. Yeah. With chat and stuff, with everyone's experiences. And then we look through a little bit of like the cultural icons. The cultural icon that is Hatsune Miku. Did you talk about that time that she was on David Letterman? We did. We talked oh, about David Letterman. You. We talked about the Domino's Pizza app. We talked mm-hmm. about the Scarlett Johansson commercial. Oh, boy. Oh, I, I don't know that, that one. Yeah. I um, genuinely, they have, they did it. She did a, a song with Ana Monaguchi that I mm-hmm. really genuinely like. It's very good. Me too. Ana mm-hmm. Diaz Gucci. But um, the, the fun thing then was then you raided Dan Reichert's Twitch channel at the yes. end of that. And it was as, I think, he was checking out the t-shirt which if you mm-hmm. if you were not revealing his shirt that's right if you weren't glued into this saga so we had trivia tower last month which is our monthly video game trivia competition and then um for last month it was hey let's take 
let's invite all of Giant Bomb, the entire community, which was a lot, mind you. More than you expected. More than you'd expect. Right? Yeah. Yes, I was surprised how many people actually clicked through and competed in video game trivia against the MinMax community. And the last community standing, there was a punishment uh, for the opposing side. And so MinMax won because we're very smart and I really appreciate it. Not, not, this isn't me bragging. This is the community is smart, right? They, they, they're the ones who won this thing. We just hosted it. Yeah, you're um, bragging about the questions that you created to... <laughs> right. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. access their knowledge. That's exactly Slumdog it. Millionaire style. I don't want to say full Slumdog Millionaire. Um, we tried to keep it nice and generic. There are no Chrono Cross questions, no like super specific Minimax questions. Anyway, so the punishment was that uh, I got to design a shirt for Dan Reichert to wear for a week of content. And the original idea was we were going to design it on Twitch with the community. But then I was thinking about it like, look at all of us right now. How wild could our, could our shirts possibly be? to really have an impact in like this Zoom call era. You know what I mean? I was like, well, I guess I can put like a patreon.com slash minmax uh, URL at the very top, like, and that would be about all that's visible. So that was no good. So I realized the designing thing with the community, I don't think it's gonna work. So I went rogue and I appreciate the community being on board for this. Cause then I started thinking, well, what you'd have to do is you'd have to put like something on the shoulders. Cause that's like the visible part of a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was I wanted to put like a parrot like strap a parrot or something to the shoulder. Um, and then it kind of built from there. Sarah, how would you describe that shirt that Dan put on in that stream last night? I, don't, I think that it loosely follows the definition of what a shirt actually is. Correct, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's incredibly torn up. His entire collarbone is exposed in the shirt. Um, and you attached a what looks like a marionette doll yeah. to his shoulder that pulls the entire shirt down, <laughs> which exposes more collarbone. Um, right. It was a strategic thing. To be fair, I never tried it on, so I didn't know how it really fit, but it was a combination <laughs> of the the collar being torn up, it was covered in stains, and then also the collar was stretched out, and then it was all at like some hipster thrift store from hell. Um and I was looking for something to attach to it, and there's like a bunch of old wrestling toys and dolls. I'm like, ah, it's too on the nose. And then, yeah, I found this like, I only describe it as like a bosomy 1920s marionette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, all right, you know, he, he can still be allowed on the internet with this. Um, so then uh, we sewed it onto the shirt, and it's a real cacophony. So thanks to everybody mm-hmm. for allowing that to happen, and I hope you enjoy it. incredible. I got to say, I was very Thank impressed you. when I saw it for the first time. I, I was getting self-conscious because... <laughs> we were putting it together. Also, we put MinMax. We, like, super glued those letters to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we were doing it, my wife is like, I, this is dumb. I think we could have done better. I don't really I don't really get it. And I was like, I think this is just subtly weird enough. And I felt fully validated and uh, vindicated by the Internet's reaction last night of everyone just being like, that is an impossibly weird choice. And so it, it seems <laughs> like the most I think Dan was horrified. Yeah. Like, rarely do I see him fully in, like unable to form words about a situation. <laughs> and I feel like that shirt was one of them. Thank you. Thank you. You can check it out. We tweeted out a link and it's in the video version of the show and all that fun stuff. Um, let's see. Coming up on this show, we're going to be talking about Cult of the Lamb. So get ready for that. We're going to be talking about Splatoon 3 a little bit. There's a big direct for that. And then we're going to be joined by former Game Informer editor John Carson and Sergio Vasquez, returning champion, to talk about Evo, the big Evo recap and all that fun stuff. Also, uh, fun table setting. Spider-Man, just so you all know, is coming out on Steam on Friday. If you've never played Marvel Spider-Man, you've never owned a PlayStation before, you should probably play that game. Leo, can you imagine a person that wouldn't like that game? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let's Venom, see. Venom, right? <laughs> oh, you dirty dog. 
Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I know we've been promising that we're going to unpack that in a bigger way. Um, probably next week. We need more time, and uh, we want Kelsey Lewin to fill her gigantic brain with all of her thoughts about that game before we unload it upon everybody. Um, Soul Hackers 2, same case. Sarah Pozorski's playing it. Uh, yay or nay so far, Sarah? Yay. Yay for me. Okay, and if you like Persona games or Shimagami Tensei games, you should check out Soul Hackers 2, you think? Definitely, definitely. This is definitely a in the vein of that, but I would say that it's a lot friendlier. It's a lot more accessible okay. to those of us who might not be super fans of the series. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, we'll talk about it more uh, in an upcoming episode. That's going to be out a little bit later on in the month. Real quick, what platform are you playing on, sir? I'm playing it on PS5. PS5. Okay, mm. cool. Uh, Two Point Campus is out this week. It's the spiritual successor to Two Point Hospital. Um, I have played a little bit of it, and it's it's better than I expected. I ignored Two Point Hospital, and now I feel like an idiot because going into this, like, if you if you're hungry for like a Sims like game, you know, we always talk about like where are the indie versions or more indie versions of the Sims. And I understand this is different, but it's still an overall sim management game, and it kind of. It lets you connect with the people in your school more than I expected. Sarah, have you checked out Two Point Campus at all yet? No, but like I grew up playing like a college campus tycoon. Oh, really? And if it could get even close to that, I would be happy. I think it will. It's pretty silly at times, but it's it's overall a lot better than I expected. So Two Point Campus is out now. And you can win a copy of Two Point Campus and Cult of the Lamb, by God, uh, by competing in the next episode of Trivia Tower, which is happening August 15th, everybody, at 8 p.m. Central. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, even the $2 tier, you can jump in and compete. Um, and this month, we're doing the same thing again that we did with Giant Bomb, except uh, we're turning our sights to kind of funny. We're going to take down systematically the biggest video game communities on the internet. We have one by one. They will That's all right. fall. Easy allies, you're up next. Look alive, everybody. But if you want to bring down kind of funny and fight for Team MinMax and win a bunch of game codes and also an Astro A40 headset and a bunch of fun stuff, you can support us over on Patreon. Even that $2 tier, even just for one month. If you think our content's worth $2, this is a good time to jump in. We'd appreciate it. Leo, you, you scoff at the notion of that. I think it's easily worth $2. Thanks, man. If we were to go public. <laughs> the stock. <laughs> Which, the yeah, we talk about that in Party Chatter, Patreon exclusive podcast, but we're really on the verge of going public. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a really good deal based on every yep. company that's ever done it. Yep. Uh, hey, Cult of the Lamb, everybody. This game is out on absolutely everything at this point for 25 bucks. Um, I've been playing it. I've been really enjoying it. Uh, I think, we, have we all dabbled? Is that the best way to put where we're yeah. at for Cult of the Lamb? Okay. Um, well, you're either all in or out, I think, right? That's yeah, right. That's you can't. Cult. Yeah. yeah. I've probably played but, it for... Yes, to answer your question, I've played a little bit of it. <laughs> I'm probably like three and a half hours into Cult of the Lamb or so, but roguelite sim management for a cult, I guess is the yeah. best way to put what's going on here. Um, Sarah yeah, looks a little simple than that sounds, I think. Yeah. What's that? More simple than that sounds, I think. Like it's presented in a really easy to grasp way, mm -hmm. I think is one of the strengths of it. Yeah, I think so. Sarah, um, maybe it's just because you're always screaming about the cult of the froggy chair and stuff, but yeah. this game seems up your alley. It I was a little nervous because I'm not, you know, a roguelike person. Yeah. But I absolutely love this game. Ooh, oh. They absolutely nailed the cult aspect. <laughs> I love all the little experience. features that you can do, like collecting followers, you know, destroying the old gods, sacrificing their bones to raise your faith, giving your daily blessing to your flock, 
you know, you do sermons, you do rituals to raise your faith level so you can unlock more for your cult. And it's so fun, like, like what you unlock along the way. It's just, mm -hmm. it seems like the more I dive into this game, the more I'm like, yep, these systems are really smart. They know exactly what yep. everybody would be interested in and the weird dynamics. Like, okay, here's an upgrade. If you keep advancing your cult and have people worship at the shrine that you put in this little garden, then you can unlock the ability to like, hey, if you die in kind of the roguelite areas, you can sacrifice a follower to get an instant revive. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, that's such a good dynamic because you're trying to build these people up and they really want you, I think, in a smart way to like connect personally with all the little members of your cult. Like you can yeah. customize the animals they are, the names, and then you unlock more animal types if you want to customize all these weirdos even more. But they want you to use them too. Like they want right. you to form this connection with them, you know, give them blessings every day. And then they want you to just be cutthroat, sacrifice them, you know, to your god right to continue in the game yeah and the overall i learned today that you can you know because you can choose you you find them right and then you bring them into your cult and at that point you can choose everything about them right what mm -hmm. they look like and stuff like that right apparently you can change them to dogs and you can pet dogs exclusively oh. you can't pet <laughs> other animals <laughs> so that's amazing that's a tip i guess if you want to pet your flock yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's it's weird. It's kind of like if you like Animal Crossing, but um, you have a real dark edge about you. Yeah, the this whole is premise. very, this is very, I'm not going to, it's dark. It's in like a really cute, I love the art style, right? Yeah. A 2D, really cutesy, but it is like super dark, you know, at the same time. Right. So. It's a, it's a cool combo. I was playing this mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, Sarah, and I had an epiphany where I was like, as somebody who has never played Sonic Adventure 2, I was like, is this a chow garden? Is this what's going on in the cult area? No, it, it's, that's not a chow garden. Is it close to a chow garden? No, it's not close to a chow garden. So there's no I appreciate you thinking about a chow garden. <laughs> Your thesis just uh, totally shot well, down I think, like 100%. Like, the more I play it and more you like you build out and customize your little cult area and it's like, oh, now this is a farming game where I'm building up the crops because everybody in my cult is constantly hungry. And it's like, okay, it's, mm -hmm. there's kind of just new flavors. Ah, how dare you games. be hungry? <laughs> well, well, you get can to that. do a sermon. You can do a, I don't know what it's called, but you can make it so they eat less. Oh. You can basically make, you can add rules to your cult as you go on. Right. Uh, to basically like strengthen the flock and kind of like push them in a certain direction. Mine, I like, we decided that working is the same as worshiping our God. So now when, now they work harder and I get more stuff out of them. That's really smart. Classic mm -hmm. cult move. Right. You got to make them work hard so they don't think about the fact that they're in a cult. Yeah. I, I forgot what the, what it's called, but I get unlocked one where I can go to every single follower and like basically just squeeze them for an extra gold coin every single day if I really want to shake them down. Out. Yeah. And I think this is where the game, I think, is interesting in this time and place because they're called followers and you're like building them up. And there is that weird layer of like, oh, this kind of feels like online community stuff. <laughs> of Like you mm -hmm. have to give them a certain amount, make sure everybody's happy at all times. Is this just from the content creator uh, mind Leo or do you think most people playing this game would think about just kind of the Twitter follower cult <laughs> follower angle happening here I don't think most people okay but I, it is yeah. interesting going to each person each day and giving them one blessing in general chat of the min max discord <laughs> right it's kind of a weird thing uh, are you into this Leo are the systems smart enough for you yeah, the systems are cool. I I could see myself getting bored of the roguelike stuff. Like, the combat's really simple. It's elevated yeah. a lot by the art and the presentation and the controller rumble. Like, just the feel of it is good. Yeah. But it doesn't seem that complicated so far. But the metagame, the managing your little community, 
also benefits from that presentation in a way that's really fun. Like going and doing your sermon and you're just like hovering off the ground and you're seeing their like faith points, their devotion fly into you and fill mm -hmm. up your bar. What that I stuff's really satisfying. Totally. And like, I'm still, there's definitely layers of Hades in here with like, okay, you're getting the random weapons in there and then you're getting tarot card upgrades that alternate and you can add more tarot cards to the stack and all that stuff. Something I'm still trying to figure out is like, how much am I helping things by hanging out in that kind of cult farm area? Like it was like, all right, I'll just do all the farming myself. It, it, is it just kind of like a speed boost that I can give to certain projects instead of just assigning them to work on stuff? Like, should I, mean, I, I think you have to balance it a little bit. Yeah. So as long as you're there to give your sermon, give your blessings, build, like put some stuff down to be built all the time, like yeah. keep making new stuff and then, yeah, spending it. I, that's the thing is like, I am still trying to, I'm at the first boss right now. Yeah. And I wonder like what defeating that will benefit my cult. Cause I'm like, couldn't I just sit here and like play my little cult game and like maybe not venture out? I don't know. I haven't gotten to that point where it's like, you must go out well you must to get resources you need like the stone and the wood and the bones of your you enemies can, and you stuff can i think it's the bones but you can build your own like resource pits that they can gather from oh is that what the when lumber and the enough? stone thing yeah is? like oh, when you get far enough you can build your own like resource pits so it's like infinite as far as i'm aware yeah i think the other reason that you need to go out is because followers seem it seems like they're going to die of old age from looking yeah. at later upgrades oh, yeah. and stuff right right yeah, because there's so one of them that new, I got new followers that like, extended yeah, their lives. But then I went out and I died and I came back and my followers were like, didn't like that cult leader was weak. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, no. Man, that's the thing that really They lost some faith game. in me. I was like, I got to do something. We got to. I can go and I can fight. I can, I can use a tarot card. I can card do it. I'll kill, I'll kill all the old gods. <laughs> Watch me. I can kill. I can kill. <laughs> does, um, does the rogue side of it, the action side of it, does it ever get like, is it super challenging? Because I, I actually kind of like that initially, at least. I'm not finding it very hard. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious to see it, where it goes. Like, I haven't hit well, ask, too many huge walls yet. Sarah. Oh, then. okay. So from yeah. my experience, the, the beginning <laughs> is a little bit easier. Like, it's no Hades, right? It's right. no, okay. like, sweaty palm Hades. But it seems like if you're, you know, if you're having trouble with combat or if it gets harder later, you just have to invest more in your cult. Because building up faith, unlocking abilities, unlocking upgrades, you can do at your cult. Okay. So then it's like, say you're, you're really stuck and it's getting really difficult. You kind of have to turn to the base that you're building and say, okay, like, what do I need to do? What upgrades do I need that I can go in and sort of, you know, build faith, upgrade, level up kind of. So gotcha. it feels okay. like if, like, I'm not good at roguelikes, but I'm good at management simulators. So that is kind of my handicap. Right. It's like a crutch for me going through this. Well, the thing, I actually kind of, the, I, I'm liking it more than I expected to. I think Hanson even said, are you interested in this? And I kind of shoulder shrugged a little bit. I was like, yeah, it looks cool. I don't know if it's my, I don't like Animal Crossing. So, like, I don't know if I'm really going to get into that game. Yeah. And, um, well. That's uh, what you get for saying you don't like Animal Crossing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I'm Sacrifice asking, to the old gods. <laughs> I mean, I will say if you really point. don't like Animal Crossing, you'll like this because of <laughs> the murdering of your <laughs> animals. People. Yeah, Animal Crossing means well, more but animals. But the thing is, it's like I kind of like the idea of like I, I, the volume being turned down on the rogue side of it. Like I like right. I like I want to play it if it's a little bit easier because like something like Hades or like Undermine or something like that's the challenge is like you know getting through that part of the game and it's really tough and rewarding. But like I'm not really in the mood for that just right now. I kind of like the idea of the rogue element kind of just being a fun action 
side part of the game. And I think if that's if that's what you're sort of telling me it can be, mm-hmm. like that actually encourages me to keep going more. Like I I don't really want that to be the experience I have with this game where that part is super challenging. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I'm sure that it's going to get challenging later on, but at least starting out, it's not going to be too intimidating. I had a. Yeah, I do, but I do. Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Oh, I, I like it. I I like having that sort of action arm to the game. That makes me much more invested in in getting into it. Yeah, I'm playing like a pre-release build, um, and so I'm not sure how much stuff is going to get worked out. But like, it's a great Steam Deck game. I had a couple sections later on yeah, where it was chugging a bit, where I was like, "Is this maybe for the final release 1.0? It'll be a little bit different." But yeah, it seems like ideal. That kind of roguelike management thing is perfect for this. Um, I had a weird thing though where. There is this one rabbit in my group. It's like one of the first people that I recruited into the cult. And then you see their eyes start to change and they're dissenters. They realize that you're a complete fraud. I still haven't even gotten a dissenter yet. Are you serious? Are you that good? Why are you not leading your flock better? I I thought I was. I thought I was doing fine. I was talking to them and giving them sermons. I thought I was doing enough. And so this one rabbit is really acting up and is a little bit intimidating because it's like, hey, you got to take care of this rabbit or else it's going to spread the message that you're a mm-hmm. fraud and this cult is a fraud and people should abandon it. Um, and they're going to spread it soon. It's like, okay, you can re-indoctrinate them. So I did, but it's like there's a meter and you can only do it once per day. And I did that and it brought the meter down from like, you know, 10 out of 10 to like 9.25 out of 10. It was like taking a bucket to the ocean and trying to drain it. I was like, I can't do that. I don't know what to do. Can you not just kill them? I, so I didn't have the option to kill them. So then I went out on another mission and was enjoying myself uh, doing the action parts and then came back to town and then I got the upgrade where I could kill. But at the same time, I literally came back to my camp and every other follower was dissenting and knew that oh I was a fraud. Oh my god! Well, you probably shouldn't have left when you had an active dissenter in the ranks. Well, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have, like, a jail to put them in yet. I couldn't That's build true. that, so I was just panicking. I'm like, mm. I don't think I have an option here. And then I come back, and the entire place is basically <laughs> ruined. They're all converted. Absolutely Nobody off believes the rails. I was trying to give more sermons, oh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said they were enjoying it, and then they went back to hating me immediately. So I was like, I, I don't know what to do here. Wipe so, them out. That's yeah, what I did. Start anew. I, I went one by one and just knifed every single oh one of God. them. Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> because I'm like, I That's just need. for you. Yep. I'd say I have no other option. I put one in jail because I was able to build a jail at that point. And then he watched as I just annihilated every other animal in the cult. Just so <laughs> we could start. Did that change his outlook at all? You know what? It did. By the oh. end, by the end, he was converted. And I don't know if it was the time in the jail that did it, or if it was him just watching me slice and dice absolutely everybody else yeah. in this club. This is a great game. It is pretty good, yeah. And they're like, you know, it, you can read their minds eventually, and so you have the option of seeing what their complaints are and stuff. And they can, like, puke and poop all over the place, and you can mm-hmm. clean up the little cult area. And so <laughs> one of them's, like, uh, the breakdown, I think they were asleep. And so it said, like, I saw vomit. Gross. And then the next little bullet point just says, I slept through the butchering of my fellow cult members, though. It's <laughs> like, I thought I heard something that, last night. Was that a positive I think or it was a, a negative? I think it was a positive that they weren't fully aware what was going on. But at that point, it didn't matter because they were all absolutely gone. And I just had to start from scratch. And it was very much, the game was trying to message me, like, you need cult members. And I think, again, maybe this is pre-release version, but... It, I think there were some shenanigans with the numbers where it wouldn't let me take all of them out. Like they would like multiply at the last second or something. So maybe in 1.0 it wouldn't do that. But I was slaughtering for days out there, Sarah. Oh my God. And they just would not stop. <laughs> so anyways, Call to the Lamb, pretty good game. Um, I'm glad you like it, Sarah. I'm very happy. It's so satisfying when a game that seems like it's exactly up somebody's alley 
there's no quibbles. Yeah. Well, I like cults. And I right. like management simulators. Yep. So I'll just take the roguelike. Yep. That's it. With the other stuff that I really like. Love it. Um, yeah, it's out now and everything. If you're interested, you can win a free code with Tower if you're also interested. Are you going to stick with it, Leah? Yeah, for sure. I'll play more of it. Yeah. Especially hearing about the upgrades you guys have talked about. Yeah. Getting more into the social game seems interesting. Yeah, for sure. And especially if you get committed to like customizing your cult and it's like, okay, we're going to be nothing. Yeah. Like dogs or nothing but certain animals. I think mm-hmm. that's a really fun way to make it a little more customized other than just kind of naming totally. the cult, you know? It is fun to do those little role-playing things. Whenever I get a new follower, I instantly randomize their name once. I change their name. Yeah. And and I give them the, like, tattoos, the, like, red marks on their head. I switch them to that variant. <laughs> and it's fun building, like, a cohesive group like that. Yeah. Did you name the cult the Froggy Chair, Sarah? No, mine is the Poggers cult. Okay. Cult of Poggers. That's, mm. that's your dog. Mm-hmm. Just in case you didn't know, I thought I'd let you know. Uh, Cult of the Lamb, everybody. Tis good, tis good. Um, Kyle and I woke up this morning and said, by God, we're excited to talk about Splatoon 3 because there's the big Splatoon 3 Direct uh, that Nintendo put on, a hell of a show to show off everything that's happening in this thing because this game is coming out soon on the Nintendo Switch. September 9th, this thing's releasing. Kyle, I think we both went into this Direct like, we're going to enjoy Splatoon 3. We're going to play it. You know, we both like the single-player stuff, maybe more the multiplayer stuff from Splatoon's history, which is controversial, maybe. Um, but both of us were like, I don't know what they could show us to really get us stoked for Splatoon 3. It's just kind of like a simmering, yes, is my tune for the for the Splatoon series. Yes, I, I will pre-order, sure. Right, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, did anything that they revealed today in the Direct move a needle for you? Well... Um, uh, no, but with that being said, like the needle was already, it was high, Okay. you know, like I was already in to play this thing. And then all the stuff that they announced were like, you know, new levels, new weapons. And it was kind of like, I expected those to be there and they look cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and then, um, I did, I mean, the, 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 the sort of the hub area looks cool. We got to meet some new characters. There's a, there's a new card game, which you were into pretty quickly. I, am into I it. really have yet to in my life find a card game that I've enjoyed, except for maybe Blackjack or something. <laughs> oh, that does sound good. Which game is that in? Uh, no, I'm um, with it. Even like Cult of the Red Lamb. Red Dead Redemption? Yeah. Cult of the Lamb is like a dice game. And the second I saw that, I'm like, not interested. Moving on. Hang on. Oh, Leo, is that your jam? I thought you were about to say, and then I played it and it was awesome because that was my experience. <laughs> no, no, I literally played it until I ran out of money. I was like, I wish I could keep playing this. Oh, really? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, most in-game stuff I'm not really that into, but yeah, Splatoon 3, they revealed that there's a card game called Table Turf Battle where you ha- collect cards and they all have kind of like different, eh, almost like Tetris-like pieces, and then you're battling with the other player. It, it reminded me of Blockus, if you know that tabletop game where it's kind of like competitive tabletop turn-based Tetris in a weird way. And so, Kyle, maybe I just reflexively got excited about it because it's like Blockus, but with the art and style of Splatoon. Yeah, so. it just kind of looks like Tetris if you look at it from the, you know. Right, I think that's good enough for me, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I like that it exists. I think I think it's cool that they're playing with the idea because it looks like it's like, the idea is you have to sort of arrange your blocks to have the most color, like as if right. you were playing Splatoon. It like yep. translates those Splatoon mechanics into like a card game which is a cool idea to have that as like an optional additional mode. But on a personal level, I don't know if I'll engage with it, but sure. I'm glad it exists. Uh, Sarah, did you see anything there that uh, piqued your interest? I really like the art design of the Splatoon. Yeah. I really like that we have kind of like a Tokyo 
like a very Japanese style place in the middle of a wasteland. It is a cool yeah. vibe, which yeah. is like such a weird combination. I would never think like desolate wasteland Tokyo and then would. I, yeah, and then I love that idea too. That like, you know, it's so stylish, and it's like, hey, wander around Tokyo, isn't this cool? And then there's this one quick shot. I don't think it'll be a real factor, but I love this shot in the direct where they're talking about your clothes and customization, and it just shows like two hipster inklings in the universe like super stylish just like looking at their phones and looking up at you and like disgust at your fashion <laughs> it's like yes this is a good new era for nintendo it's such a weird mm-hmm. specific tone uh so it's the it's the vibe overall sarah that's compelling it is but i don't i really i love splatoon as like an ip yeah but it's like i've only had like whenever i go to play splatoon online i feel like i'm always losing I, I don't know. It's like a very hard curve to the game, I think, for new players. So this 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 entire direct felt like they were trying to get new players because they basically re-explained the entire game. Yes. Like they literally walked you through every single bit of a Splatoon game. So it feels like they're trying to get those new players in because it is a little intimidating. It's intimidating. And also, you know, it's been a while. It's been five years since Splatoon 2. Like there's a whole new generation of potential fans here that could jump mm-hmm. into this thing. So they literally started the direct by being like, okay. There's this stuff called ink. When you put it on a multiplayer match ground floor, that's how you win. Um, Yeah, I I was interested just in their messaging. And it seemed like the number one concern from a lot of folks in the community was they were just worried about how the online was going to work, how matchmaking was going to work, because it's such a pain in the ass in previous entries and stuff. And they are, what they're messaging so far at least, is they're big on, they're really worried about splitting their player base. So they have all these different modes like Clam Blitz and Tower Control and Rainmaker, um, but they're all going to be in rotation. Kind of Halo Infinite style because they do not want to split that base. And even like Salmon Run, which is like the co-op thing, I was a little bit confused. It seems like Salmon Run might be there to play all the time, but then there's... There's like a big event. There's every the big few run. Months. Yep, yeah. yep. It'll be kind of like a, a super version of that or something. So they are, they're playing it pretty tight on the multiplayer arena side of things and then even is i don't i'm curious to see how it actually is implemented but they show they're like oh you can be in this kind of locker lobby area and your friends will be hanging out there and you can invite them right to a match Mm -hmm. so maybe that's an indication that it'll be a little bit smoother and you can i think like spectate they said like jump into a match when your friend's playing and i was like so jump into the next match because like you can't jump into that match right it seems like there was a lot of multiplayer functionality they were trying to add yeah. But I'll have to see it to believe it. Yeah. yeah I mean, but lo- lobbies are encouraging, right? I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully it just lets you connect easier. I also, we did, I, Hans and I were both kind of enamored <laughs> with the lockers, you know, that you can this sort of customize thing. your locker. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of a fun thing. Leo, yeah, buckle up, buddy. Because, uh, yeah, in this game, you Take can, out your money now, is what we're saying. You can customize a locker, which I've customized a lot of things <laughs> in a game. I don't think I've ever customized a locker. And it's like, okay, I got to make room for the really? skateboard and then put the books in here. Wait, that piqued my interest. Ooh, wait, that Sarah, cool. you're, you're saying you have customized a locker before? I mean, like, every year from middle school to high school, we would always show up and, like, do the wrapping paper on the locker, put I all the little magnets life. on sure. it, like, decorate it, put a little light in it. Wait, a light? We're talking about in yeah. video games. Oh, in video games. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I'm with you. Look. Completely different. What was your ho- locker like in high school, though, Sarah? Very cool. Yeah. Very well done. Very organized. Okay. Any style? Any theme? No. I mean, it, they didn't have a lot of stuff back then. <laughs> it's more popular now to decorate your locker, but, you right, know. Right, right. You just had, like, a leaf 
and a stick yeah, ball. Yeah, singular. I would always like looking into guys' lockers because there would just be a bunch of books tossed at the bottom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that would be it, and a bunch of papers and stuff. And when they opened, it would theme. all fall out. That's yeah, that's, that. that's a theme. <laughs> that is something I that left I, a yeah. I left a little thing of cereal in my locker for like six <laughs> months, and it smelled like fish. Ew. Hey, just like Splatoon. Wait, what cereal? What brand? It was Fruit Loops. It was off-brand Fruit Loops from the. So it was in the, it was in the, the like the plastic bag or. Yeah, a little plastic container. That's horrifying. That feeling yeah. of trying to get a book out from the bottom of your locker is something I haven't thought about in a long time. You know, mm-hmm. when everything's disorganized and it's just like everything's stacked up, it's like, oh, it turns out I need that geography book that's hanging out on the very bottom. Let me try and yank this from this steel death trap. Yeah, but the Squid Kid lockers are like mostly closed. Yeah. And then I saw like a Squid Furby, <laughs> which <laughs> nice. I was really into. <laughs> Speaking of Furby, it, there's there's something that, that they emphasize in this. Is it long direct. Furby? No, it's not long Furby. Oh. No, but in the direct, they're like, okay, so the campaign in Splatoon three is the rise of the mammals, basically, is is the overall yeah. theme here. And so it's like you're fighting this classic Splatoon enemies, except now they have fur on them. Yeah, which that was. It's gross to think of like ink and paint like covering this fur. Ugh. The fur looked really good, too. Yeah. looked very soft. It does look good. Uh, so, yeah, curious. I uh, also um, watched Splatfest are back, and now there's three-way fights in Splatfest. Mm-hmm. Um, Which so. already feel frustrating to me. Everyone's really excited, and I'm like, nah. Because it's just Leo, Leo already looks confused, but let me add this, Leo. It, apparently, it's four versus two versus two. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, huh? It, there's two rounds now, and then the second round, the winning team... Will stick around and then face the second and third team, but only two mm-hmm. players from those teams. And the the <laughs> winning team is in the middle of the arena, right. so it's harder for them, you know, mm. to like claim turf. Right. And then the two teams two of two will be right. coming in from the side, and Just that's like how Raptors. they do the three way flag splat fest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting. I hope mm-hmm. that works. Hey, we all hope it works. Uh, yeah, they also have a pre-release thing coming up. But Splatoon 3, let us know how you're feeling about it in the comments. Uh, I'm excited to see how this whole thing comes together and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the new idols, for the new squid idols, Shiver and Fry. And yeah. Big, big man? Big, big man? man? <laughs> yeah, big he's, man. he's like a big manta ray that hangs yeah. out with them. I was really thinking about that for a long time because Kala and Mari, those are the old mm-hmm. ones. Ali Mari. Yeah, it's like a great name, great name. Mm-hmm. Fry and Shiver. Am I missing something? Like fish fry? I don't know, because we had Marina and Pearl, and those are pretty straightforward. Okay. So I don't know. Fry is fry because it looks like she has like a tempura fry bit on her head. Okay, okay. I haven't I haven't figured out shiver yet. Yeah. Shiver. I'm thinking shiver me timbers. That's As what in I was the thinking, timbers that then, are shivering. Yeah. Unclear. Um, Jeff yeah. Wiggins, mm-hmm. by the way, graphic designer who did MinMax's art, the whole design, whole aesthetic, everything. Um, he tweeted out today after that direct, he said that Splatoon has the best graphic design in the entire game industry currently. I could see that. Or best art direction, maybe he even stretched it out to. It's like, it has great character design. Like, the designs yeah. are just so good. I'm more of a fan of the design of Splatoon than actually playing Splatoon. I think I'm right there with Same. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is funny, so. It's funny. My reaction to that statement was like, "Oh, surely there's something." And I'm like, "You know, actually, I can't. Nothing really comes to mind." It's like because I was kind of like, "Persona is sort of renowned for having this great aesthetic, but it's not really uh, the sort of character designs, you know, anime, right? It's right, not particularly right. unique." But Splatoon is like wholly unique mm-hmm. from all perspectives, which is yeah, that's yeah. interesting. All right, Splatoon three. Um, 
Sarah and Leo. We'll play it. We'll yeah. play the hell out of it. Um, I do want to get a month at least. I want to get into competitive Splatoon. I think it would be fun. I don't know if it's a new show it's plus so angle. It's so hard. Like with the, I yeah. can't do it with the I can't with the controller. Yeah, you got to use the gyro and stuff. But and those like, kids are so good. Well, that's the thing. We need to get it like day one when it's a bunch of schmucks no, like us. No, because they're going to get it day one too. Well, what, what do we do? What's the alternative? Just not play it? I don't it? know. Wait for a free weekend? <laughs> With Nintendo? You'll be a freaking skeleton out there, buddy. True. I think we just need to jump Those in. Those kids with their gyro aiming. We can do it. We can beat They're them. They're insane. I have faith in Nintendo's matchmaking. No, um, I, don't, I do not. Right. My Splatoon experience is getting my butt kicked repeatedly by what I can only assume are children. Deranged children frothing yeah. at the mouth. All right, uh, Leo and Sarah, anything you want to say before you uh, clap on out of here and make room for our guests? Nope. Nothing at all? Yep. Oh, nope. Leo, yes, the floor is yours. My son. No. Come on, You man. don't deserve it. I want to say it, but you guys don't deserve <laughs> God, it. God, don't start your own podcast and reveal all your secrets, please. We deserve it here. Sorry, it's called the Jeff Gerstman's show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you two uh, want to clap out of there? Oh my god, returning champion Surreal Vasquez, everybody! Hello! That's me. As we all live and breathe, unless you're watching this video or listening to this podcast after we've died, in which case, um, that's not the case. But we appreciate you being here, Surreal! Hello! To uh, everyone alive, I guess. <laughs> There's probably corpses listening to the I don't want to exclude anyone. That's right. Uh, we're also joined by the former informer, actually not quite, but we have John Carson. Welcome, sir. Hello, I am kind of dead after this weekend so forgive me if my energy is a little bit low yeah john uh was on an episode of party chat a little while ago um old friend of ours that also was at game informer for a year and then was hit by the recent layoffs at game informer um but you still got to go to evo this last weekend i did i did um, how does that I, work I, well when you have friends who are still going and are willing to give you the other bed in their in their room oh then you can go to Evo. Um, I still signed up for like press credentials, so I was kind of Alex Van Aken's intern for the weekend, uh, which was which was fun. Uh, but yeah, it was it was an, uh, an amazing time. Yeah, so, so much fun. Okay, this is the big fighting game uh, tournament. And Serial, mm -hmm. you tweeted out some picture of um, your setup for watching this. Like you were just glued to the screen the entire weekend, Serial. Yeah, so there, there was actually like a ton of stuff going on that particular weekend. There was Evo, which was like a bunch of streams because they have, you know, streams for all sorts of games. They There was yeah. a Dota major going on and there was a Smash major going on as well. So there, it's just like all weekend, just constantly uh, Twitch was on the background while I was doing stuff. Jesus. Uh, how would you compare this Evo to previous Evos? Better, worse? Where are we at for this thing? Uh, at home was, was the big <laughs> difference because uh, I attended the, the last... Uh, the last three Evos that were in person, because they did, they didn't have a 2020 um, because of, I believe, a combination of uh, COVID and controversies around the people who were leading the event around oh, then. Right, that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2021, they did an online version that was regional, which you know it was really like a lot of those matches were great, but yeah. people don't necessarily count it as well because it's all like you know bifurcated by like North America region, Japanese or Asia region, and like uh, I think South, South American region. Um, but this was like the first big return to like an in-person event. And I it, and it was the first one I hadn't been to since like 2016. Oh, wow. It was interesting okay. to watch the stream for, for a while because it, it was there was definitely more than enough content to take in. For sure. <laughs> there was there was like seven or eight Twitch channels going with stuff yeah. going on with like all the main stages. And then 
side tournaments and all yep. that. Like there was endless amounts. And then like after after like the main tournament was done for like whatever day, people were just like streaming from their hotel rooms and like yeah. we were watching that like in our hotel room just winding oh down for the God. day. Like, oh, someone someone's a few floors above us just like knocking out eight hours more of like Street Fighter Five competition yeah and there there was just tournaments and like streams for like the most obscure things like you know every all the classic fighting games had their own streams like there was a vampire savior uh stream there was like a bunch of like any like there was a what's it called project justice the 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 3d fighting game there was i think there was a puzzle fighter one there was one for uh nickelodeon all-star brawl there was like there, there was just a ton of tournaments for basically every fighting game under the sun it was really cool yeah virgil uh in the community here over on patreon they asked about yeah the difference in attending versus watching but john is this the first one that you've been to then this yeah this is the first one i've been to i've watched evo for the last like 10 years or so Big, yeah huge huge evo fan like i would get together with like jason a striker and just like carve out our sunday yeah uh, like the finals day and just like watch everything and i've always wanted to go this was like my first outlet to to do so um, and I was like planning the trip right when the layoffs happened. I'm like, well, Ugh. well, I'm glad I didn't like pay and sign up for any games and and anything like that. But like a couple days later, Van Aken's like, hey, uh, here's the here's the sign up form for media. Uh, you could stay on my you could stay on my other bed. Uh, just like get your own flight out there. I'm like, cool. That's I'll do amazing. that. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, being there in person, like this is the first one back in in two years and the energy there was incredible. Yeah. Um, every, everyone was like, everyone there had missed each other so much. Like it, 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 it is a community. Like everyone there knows each other um, or, or knows someone else there and everybody's meeting each other and just having everyone there to watch like the grand finals of like Dragon Ball fighters. Um, everyone's excited about everything that's happening, no matter if like you're rooting for the person uh, who's winning or not. Yeah. Um, you're just like respecting the play that's happening. Uh, just having a great time and everyone was ha- just having a blast. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we got yeah. uh, Shimmy Neutron who really said this better than I ever could. Uh, they wrote it over on Patreon. They said, hey, love you two ends, but I got to talk to my brother Serial here. My goodness, was that Evo amazing? I'm sure you're going to share your general thoughts with some specific questions for y'all. How did you experience the Dragon Ball Fighters cell scream during top eight? Uh, I, I, I remember the first year that they had it there and everyone was just losing their minds uh, just at any time because he has an intro where he just yells. He just and so like, yeah, and, and during the lines. finals, they, they don't uh, they don't skip the intros, which they usually do in most matches. So everyone yeah, just kind of knew. Just to be clear, are you, you're talking about Cell in the game, his yeah. intro. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I didn't know if right. you're talking about the, the player. I thought my, oh, in my no, mind. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> with that game is always so funny to me because every time you teleport behind somebody's cell, I think it's him. Where he goes hello. And <laughs> but he has an intro where he just screams and people are really into it. Yes. Yeah, like his intro, he just like powers up and he does a big scream and everyone was just echoing it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so, so good. Mm-hmm. So like the crowd would just react to it every time, and it, which is really funny when they had it in the on the final day Sunday and it was just like this giant sports arena full of people yelling at the top of their lungs <laughs> uh, every time every time that character came on. So it was it was like and that's like that just speaks to how you follow the energy on the floor uh where it's like oh you'll be watching one game and all of a sudden you'll hear this super loud scream and you're like okay what's going on over there I'm, let me go watch you know soul Calibur or like mortal Kombat for a little while just right. just because that's where everyone seems to be really excited and it could just happen at any time like the, like if there's a big match during like the the semifinals where it's like oh these two major players are are going up against each other really early in the bracket so you just see this crowd 
kind of like pe- people like tiptoeing on put like putting chairs out and like looking at their phones over this like one station that just randomly happens to have like a really important match. Uh, so like, yeah, that energy is just like overflowing. And I imagine that, like, yeah, having having the show be gone for two years is basically like just this huge outpouring of like everyone just being super excited. Uh, I lost my voice for multiple days because of that Dragon Ball Fighters finals. <laughs> like I, I was screaming with Cell every time there was a Kamehameha. Everyone was yelling, ha. Oh, that's uh, so it was, good. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, but yeah, my my voice is still rough. It's great. It sounds great. Uh, Shimmy also says the fact that Capcom and SNK had booths next to each other with the same mm. you do my art, I'll do yours idea that they had in CVS2 makes you feel like how? Makes me feel like how uh, it makes you feel like they have been dancing Good. around a new one of those games yeah. forever now because uh, they had like uh, there was a, a tweet that I think SNK made where they were like after you know after a decade uh, Capcom and SNK are teaming up to do an art gallery and I was just like oh my god oh, you can't do you can't start a tweet that way no. you can't say like Capcom and SNK are teaming up for something and, and not not make it oh, Capcom God. versus SNK three and like I feel like the last decade has just been so much dancing around between like they put Akuma and Geese from King of Fighters in Tekken seven mm-hmm. you know uh, Terry and uh, Ryu are both in Smash Brothers like they've uh, SNK has slowly been like releasing a bunch of the old card games or like fighting game uh, a lot of their old kind of retro fighting games and a lot of them are like here's the Capcom versus SNK card game uh, that they've re released so it's like th- those two companies have been talking with each other they just haven't been doing it uh they, they haven't been doing the thing that i want them to do right right uh shimmy also says thoughts on fgc going pc only like defend the north is trying to do i don't see it really happening mainly because pcs are expensive oh. and uh consoles are uh they're a specific target for companies to uh develop for um, and especially with like PlayStation running Evo and a lot of right. uh, championship series for like PlayStation's working with companies on like reducing uh, input latency and whatnot. Like, I feel like that's probably going to be still the main console, whether that's going to be like a jump to PS5 in the future. It's going to have to be, I think, eventually. But um, I think we're sticking with consoles for now. Can you refresh my like Sony owns Evo, yeah, they they, they bought Evo. So okay, could you? And that's like a recent thing, right? Last year, I want to say. Yeah, it was. It was fairly recent. It was I the last in person one. They didn't. They didn't own them, but now they do. Mm. So can you change things? Yeah, I mean, is it just like everyone's on PlayStation? Everyone has to use Uh, like PlayStation stuff, or is it not? It's it's not really that kind of thing. For a long time, it's been um, Sony uh, consoles almost exclusively. I know that like some. It just changes, you know, Smash Brothers isn't part of the event this year, at least not officially. Um, and I, it's not a hugely popular game at this point, but Killer Instinct isn't a part of it. But if they, I guess, going forward, if there is a new Killer Instinct that's Xbox only, you know, that's kind of a question is, does Sony allow it? Does Microsoft want to be a part of it? Um, so that's kind of like the biggest thing. But um, hmm. to the console versus uh, PC question, I think they're, they're I think the 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 reason people want to move to PC is because the input delay is like just better across the board for all yeah. PC fighting games. Gotcha. Um, like even like the latest patch for Guilty Gear, which we'll we'll get into in a bit. But um, their latest update basically halved the input delay of the PS5 native version. Uh, and it's still one frame behind PC. Yeah. So uh, there's still a, like if you play it on a console, uh, you have like the game is slightly like if you're a, if you're someone who follows fighting games, you'll notice. But like if you play, you know, if you just play a little bit more casually, you probably don't notice it at all. But like there there is a slight advantage playing on PC. 
um, especially if you have a high refresh monitor, I guess that even that uh, that reduces the input lag even more. But um, for a lot of players, they have to play on console because they like that's the tournament standard, right? They have to play on those machines. But if you're more comfortable with PC, you have to make that adjustment. Um, but yeah, I think that it it is difficult to kind of say like what kind of well, if you're playing on PC, what kind of setup, what kind of refresh rate monitor are you going to have? Yeah. What are the specs that everyone's going to use? It, so it kind of stratifies a lot of the standards around PC. But there are people who are trying to get some of that stuff going. Um, but I don't think that it'll be part of like any any officially sponsored majors. I think you could yeah. see something it like you could see it at some of the larger kind of uh, user run events like CEO, maybe mm-hmm. Combo Breaker. I could see having it as well. But it's I think in terms of for like the biggest uh, tournaments with the biggest prize pools, it probably won't be on PC for a while. Maybe they could split the difference and just go for a Steam Deck. That's the new default PC. Look, yeah. it's not going to be the most powerful thing out there, sure. but I don't know. Uh, that's not a real suggestion. Well, let's just do it all on Switch. That's a good just idea. Yeah. That's yeah, a good sure. idea. I like it. A um, lowering tide lowers all boats. That's, right. <laughs> that's, that's what they say. Yep. Uh, John, do you want to keep digging through these questions from the community, or should we talk more about general stuff or announcements? It's your call, dude. No, let, uh, let's let's talk about some more. Uh, let's get some more questions. Oh, so you're pro community, you're saying? Uh, the, right now, yes. Okay, interesting. I have, and no, nothing's turned me off of the community. Okay. Uh, Victor Fam writes in and says, how do you feel about people chanting USA during items run in the top yeah. eight for Street Fighter V? It's fun. Uh, like, th- there is, like, national pride involved with, uh, or, the, like, there there are rivalries and whatnot. Like, people just kind of grasp with, with to, like, the, the easiest straw there. Sure. And it's like, oh, America versus Japan, or... Uh, in Dragon Ball Fighters, it was like America versus France. Um, there, like yeah, France is, is, has a really big uh, uh, Dragon Ball scene. Really? Uh, That's yeah. So like a, a lot of games will end up being like not owned, but like dominated by certain regions. So like King of Fighters was a lot of like Taiwan versus South America. Yeah. Uh, or like South and Central America. And um, Strive had a had like the most kind of Western and American players than that scene has ever had before. And it's hard to know whether it's that, that's because there were only, I think, somewhere around 75 to 100 Japanese players at the event this year. Mm. Or if that's just one of those games that like Japanese players aren't as into as past Guilty Gears. Um but like, yeah, it seems like a lot of um, a lot of games have that regionality because, you know, a lot of fighting games as early history is dominated by like East Coast versus West Coast camps because there wasn't any online thing. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, you have a lot of you know, country specific things, especially now after COVID, where a lot of countries have had to basically incubate or have online tournaments amongst themselves. Seeing that kind of cross region representation happen, I think, um, excited a lot of people to like represent their nation. Yeah. And Street Fighter specifically has had a curse where they have not had an American champion uh, in Street Fighter since like Street Fighter 2. Like no one, no American has ever won Street Fighter at Evo uh, outside of Street Fighter Two. Interesting. Like there, there have been European and like uh, English champions, but everyone's been either Japanese, Korean, Asian, uh, like in some version. And so they, but there is always someone making a run. Like a Punk was uh, in like in 2017, mm-hmm. and like this year it was Idom, who it seemed like he was inevitable. He just completely, yes. uh, he took one loss. Uh, I don't remember for. It, it was before top eight, but yeah. I don't remember who too. But he basically was just like rocket. Like it was not even close. He fought Daigo. He fought Tokido. It was just not. He destroyed them. And then yes. Kawano, who is like a recent play, who's like a pretty young recent player, um, he was about to destroy him too. And then uh, he basically very slowly defensively with a character who 
uh, is very, very known for slowing down the game versus Laura, who is a character who is just like, if I guess correctly, like four times, I win the match. And it's just he's super aggressive. So it was really fun to watch him. So he was really easy to root for. And he yeah. had this like incredible run. It seemed like, oh, they're finally going to do it. And it came down to like last round of the last game that finally like and it seemed like Idom won the first half of the round. And then slowly Kawano basically like inched his way back into the match and won with like, you know, uh, in the last few moments of the match, and it, everyone was like super shell shocked by that. Yeah. God, just googling it, Daigo is like he's got to be up there. He's forty one years old, and he's yeah. still competing. Yep. And and Takedo is uh, is thirty seven. Like we were we were looking up the ages of some of these guys. Like they are the old guard now in Street yeah. Fighter, and it was cool to see them in the top eight. But also, it was kind of cool to see the the new kids rise up. And, uh, and and take the the top places. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's still wild to see someone like Daigo at his age still like not only competing but doing really well. Right, like he's, he's he's sort of like if if Brett Favre were not a, a bad person or awful or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and were yeah. actually good still, you know, uh-huh. and everyone still liked him. Uh, but it's it, his cameos are actually that. pretty good, dude. You shouldn't knock him. <laughs> he might be a better cameo guy than athlete at this point. That's true. Um, um, but but yeah, it, it's 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 inspiring to see because I think the the narrative is like, oh, this is young, a young person's games. If you're 30, you're basically done. Right. Um, yeah. So it's nice to see people like Daigo kind of continue to prove that like experience does about does matter here. And you know, it's not as physical sport as some as actual sport as like physical sports. So or yeah. even you, like League of Legends or something yeah. like. That, like something that takes a little bit more dexterity um and just we like are, different font signs. yeah ABA. yeah we we are seeing like the ages of people getting younger and so in like mobas and whatnot but like for fighting games we're starting to see uh, a little bit higher ages yeah and maybe that's, that's awesome. like strategy uh maybe that's uh the evolution of like people using hitboxes or or like leverless uh arcade sticks hmm. and like i've heard that that helps like with your your hands and how much like yeah, damage that you're actually doing so yeah gotcha uh roman i'm oh, sorry ramen taco of course says hey everybody mm-hmm. evo is great to watch this year but something has been bugging me i assume street fighter 6 was going to release pretty early next year similar to how street fighter 5 did then they announced evo japan is happening march 31st through april 2nd and so far only street fighter 5 has been said to be there and capcom mm-hmm. hasn't said if 2022 was the last year for street fighter 5 at evo in fact it seemed like the commentators weren't sure either basically what i'm trying to say or to get at is will street fighter 5 be capcom's main game next year could you see a world where six is not at evo 2023 i guess it just depends on their release date they're still saying it's going to be 2023 um i don't remember if they've attached like a like a q1 or whatever to it oh, yeah. um but right now it's it i would guess that street fighter 5 will be the game at evo japan but i could see it being the the main game at evo because i think um Street Fighter Five released in like March of 2016, I think. I think so. And yeah. they, they're Capcom is really t- like they've really gotten steady about releasing something in that first quarter of the year. So I could see them saying like, "Hey, uh, we maybe don't have a monster ga- a monster hunter game to release this year." So you know, well, like Street Fighter F- Six is going to be our ten. I mean, Resident Evil Four is is that March? I think it might be. So. What, yeah. what about the di- Dino Crisis? That isn't Dino Crisis. One second. Exo Primal. Yeah. yeah Exo Primal. 
Yeah, I mean, they also haven't been shy. Like, I, you know, this is a really long time ago, but they released, I think, uh, Street Fighter 4 and Resident Evil 5 within a month of each other. Oh, so, really? Like, wow. Yeah, they're they're definitely down to do that kind of stuff of just like, well, Street Fighter will hit our, with our, you know, with our esports audience, competitive audience, and then we have Resident Evil 4 for literally everybody else. Yeah. So uh, were they so, were they showing Street Fighter 6 at the show, though? How, how's the general temperature yeah. on Street Fighter 6 at this point? They were. Um, I think it's pretty good. Like people I've talked to have, have really loved it when uh, Alex and I played it. I, I really liked it. Um, it's it has a cool new twist on a lot of systems that have been in Street Fighters before. Um, but I think they're making it more accessible and like your meter management because you have like one meter that kind of does everything for you and it recharges depending on what you're doing. Um, and then uh, they have like their their modern control system, which simplifies like button inputs and and gives you like easy combos if you're new to the game but you could also do the classic mode which is your full six buttons and like fireball motions and whatnot yeah uh, i enjoyed that more than the modern controls but i've been playing fighting games like that for a long time so i'm, I'm glad that it's that it's there for people alex really liked it because he's newer to street fighter so right yeah yeah, oh, that's good. Uh, Sent the Prophet asks, "Hey, when mul- or with multiverses hitting an insane ten million players, yep. whew, uh, could it be the featured fighting game at Evo twenty twenty three now?" I mean, it was at this year's show. It was. Uh, they did have a, a tournament, and it was kind of fun seeing that because uh, when a new game comes out, there's a lot more cross pollination between games. So there were like some traditional fighting game people. There were some. It was uh, it was actually like the biggest kind of crossover between the Smash community and the Brawlhalla community. So there oh, were like interesting. there there was a bunch of Smash players who were like, well, this is a Smash like, so I'll, I'll play this one. There were uh, there were several like um, traditional fighting game players like Sonic Fox, and, and he had a partner uh, enter. Uh, and then there were you know people from Brawlhalla, people from like more traditional like fighting games, and then like it, it ended up being like the last match was like between uh, Void, who is a Smash player, who, uh, who is known as like being uh, the best doubles player in the world, uh, him and Nakat, his partner. Oh, fun. Uh, they're like the, they're the best duos. Like they they don't necessarily like rate as highly on the on the on the single uh, leaderboard, but like duos, it's like they're unstoppable. And it was it was them versus a former Team Fortress Two player and his partner. <laughs> Uh, for like first and second, uh, so it was kind of fun seeing that like these like these scenes all converging within each other. Yeah. And um, this in the multiverses, this, we're talking about like two versus two, right? Like, yeah, because that's the, yeah. the whole pitch of that. That game is it, yeah, is pitched as like well, there are support characters, you know, like there are characters whose abilities basically only work if you have another character like rain dog their kind of original character has a leash that right. he can put on the other character and he basically can bring them back into the arena um it's also just fun like seeing these characters you know it's it's fun to say things like velma is completely busted like <laughs> in, in the game because it was like five out of the eight teams uh like she was like the, the most powerful support character i love just, that she was my favorite uh, from the bit that i've played so far she's so absurd like getting yeah getting to the point where you can just call the cops and then they just yeah. call the player away is such a stupid thing in that <laughs> yeah, game yeah and she just like spams you know word bubbles at people yep. she finds yep. clues around the environment uh she's definitely like the scooby-doo character with a like shaggy is like the the kenner ryu of the game where yeah. he, i've got an uppercut i've got a, a fireball and so like right, he's kind of right. like the simple character but then they put all of the like the the like the mystery mechanics into Velma and now she's completely busted and they're going to get nerfed or like things like Bugs Bunny is he is 
his bat is too ridiculous. He's too good. Yeah. He's too all of it. His the ability where he paints a safe in the air and drops it on the ground and then kicks it. It's too good. <laughs> Acme Imba. Uh, and just I know yeah. people write in now, Serial, with missed joke opportunities. So I just want to say mystery machine mechanics. I just want to get that out mm. there, just so no one writes in with that. That, that <laughs> technically we split that in. Um, uh, is um is multiverses? So it is busted. I, uh, to some extent, I'm always curious, like when this new kind of. Uh, party-ish game enters an arena like Evo if it just leaves and everyone's like, okay, we shattered that, we broke that, moving on. Uh, it's, it, there are definitely things that they need to address. They've mentioned that they're going to, you know, they're, they've alluded to like nerfing Velma, uh, but they've also said that like, we're going we're gonna to do a pass on our hit detection system because a lot of like the moves in that games feel like they have wonky hitboxes. Right. Um, and they said they're, they might do something about like the way that a lot of the game, uh, a lot of the moves have weird end lag, which is what Smash players call them, where uh, they it feels like they once you do a move, you kind of stop a little bit in in a weird fashion. But huh. um, it seems like that like this is a really promising start for the game. It's really interesting to see like a free to fight, a free to play fighting game totally. take off this way because I think that I remember being on this very podcast uh, yes. a year ago saying like Street Fighter Six should be uh, free to play a year or two years ago uh and everyone laughed i'm gonna make it uh, <laughs> I, I i wrote an article on gi earlier this year saying the exact same thing and people like skewered me for it i'm like hey like it, it helps people get into a game like if there's no barrier to entry for like price you have to pay there's no downside to that i think for yeah. for a, a genre that is a lot smaller than any other esport out there, I think. Yeah. So. And like the character rotation stuff works pretty well. Like they'll yeah. have like four free characters every year. And then also like Riot announced that their their new fighting game is free to play, which yeah. should be pretty obvious. They're the League of Legends people. Right, um, right, right. So, but you know, the wave of like free to play fighting games uh, is, is coming, and it seems like the the first one really hit it out of park in terms of player count. Who knows how long that'll sustain? Yeah. But it seems like you know. Maybe should Street Fighter Six should consider being free to play. They haven't, as far as I know, announced the price on it. So maybe there's still time. Yeah. That and like cross play, cross progressions, so like things like that, uh, widening the base of players in general. I think these are all things that like people should have. And I like that a, a lot of the major announcements, or like a handful of the major announcements, were like this game, this old game now has better netcode. Yeah, it's like yep. and everyone like lost their minds. Yes. Like oh, we're adding a neck uh, rollback netcode to Dragon Ball, and everyone just like Cell flipping screen. out about it. Woke yeah. us all up at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Um, Kyle, I don't know if your mic's working, but as somebody who worked on Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, when you see those numbers for multiverses, have you have you punched through a hat yet? Kyle? <laughs> he can't hear you. He's silenced. He's stunned. Kyle's yes, entire, entire setup has been I melting. cannot comment on that, on that my feelings on it. No, oh. oh, I see. Are you jealous? You can hear me now, though, right? Yeah, we got yeah. you now. I like reset everything, so hopefully well, I won't keep be coming resetting and going. it because the video version's unwatchable. <sighs> uh, you know, honestly, let, let's see. Maybe fine. I should take a quick reset, proper reset break. What does that mean? Just reset the computer. Mm. Do you think? Do you think that could be it? I don't know. Okay, it seems it seems fine now. It seems fine. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's basically flawless. Um, what do you think, John? As somebody who's there, what do you think was like the the game of the show? Uh, I mean, Strive was the biggest game there. It did it, it, really. Yeah. Um, guilty. I mean, game. at the at the most entrance, that's why I went last on on finals day. Um, there's a lot of a lot of excitement around it, but like when Street Fighter Five was happening, that was probably the most hype 
that anybody was like as a crowd really uh, throughout, like the whole item sets yeah that's yeah, interesting yeah. do you think it's like a boost from street fighter 6 like people are kind of jazz about street fighter again or is five just it's, in a good spot it's that but also like i feel like street fighter has always been the main game at evo yeah um it's it's kind of the the legacy fighter um even if it's not the most exciting game right now uh it's something that's that you can easily get into and understand by watching it right so. right how yeah, is and it? I think it's it always kind of serves as a reminder that like yeah like Street Fighter Five had one of the worst launches in like you know modern like competitive game history but uh, it slowly worked its way back into being like a really well made game like if anything a lot of the stuff in Street Fighter Six is building on like hey let's give a lot let's give players a lot more universal options so they feel more active in matches versus mm-hmm. like well if you if you get knocked down you have like a very limited amount of things you can do uh, and you basically have to guess constantly versus like now where they have all these mechanics that allow you to get out of bad situations. Um, and like the character pool is, is really large and a lot of those new characters are really well balanced. Um, mm. And and like they're bringing that excitement over like uh, a couple years ago, Ono, oh uh, the guy who basically ran that game kind of left the company. And so a lot of like Street Fighter V was under new leadership, basically. They, they kind of shifted directors and stuff. And so there's a lot of excitement around like, hey, like there's been a changing of the guard here. And so that that shows in the design now because um, it took a couple years to kind of manifest. Yeah. And so now the, a, lo- a lot of it is like, hey, there's, you know, Street Fighter is cool again because it's like under new management and that that is carrying over into six, but it's also now present in five. Um, how's Dragon Ball Fighters holding up? I mean, they added rollback netcode. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, they're, it's getting uh, next gen con- or current gen console uh, versions at some point. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah they're, 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 they said that they're done balancing it. They're not adding any more characters. But like that rollback patch is coming to Series X and S, PS5, and PC. So it wasn't technically on PS5 and Series X before, but yeah. it's going to be coming at some point. Yeah. So and they, it's alive. They, a lot of people are excited about the rollback being in there because. Apparently, it had pretty garbage netcode before, so. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of fighters, I guess, Kyle, we probably can't get too into it, but there's this movie coming out. I don't know if you guys are hip to this, the new Dragon Ball movie called Dragon Ball Super colon Superhero in theaters August 19th. Um, and I don't get your hopes up at all about one specific thing, but Serial... Fans of Dragon Ball Fighters might want to keep their eyes peeled in the film Dragon Ball Super Superhero because there might be a little something I, in there for you. I think I know what you're talking about. It's a, it's a uh, cool thing. Yeah. Um, by the way, yeah, Kyle and I watched that movie. We have a Max Spoilers going up the day it releases uh, in theaters. Sorry, John, we're not going to go to the theaters together because I got a cool Damn. screener for it. Um, the the legacy's broken. Yeah. You shattered it. The legacy of Goku. Legacy of Goku. <laughs> I, I said legacy of Goku first. Uh, but uh, the, good, Goku too. the good news is that movie freaking rules. It's so good. Like, oh, good. good. I watched it by myself and just adored it. Um, I saw your message a little bit late. Oh, like, yeah. Ah, mm, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Don't it's, have time. Yeah, it's my second favorite Dragon Ball movie at this point. Oh, uh, next to what? Uh, Attack of the Gods? Is that what that first one was called? The first Battle, Super Battle of the Gods. Dragon Ball Evolution is actually the... <laughs> yes, that's, that's <laughs> sorry, the one. I forgot. That's gotta hurt. Um, oh, it's just, man. It's, just, it's a movie about Gohan and Piccolo. Like, it, it's exactly up my that's alley. Awesome. It's so good. Yeah, I um, really liked it a lot. Yeah. And, uh, hey, I finally got into that uh, closed network test for Dragon Ball The Breakers. Wait, wait, wait. 
No. Check out my review of the movie at GameSpot.com. Okay, no, don't wow. do wow. that. Please don't Look, do that, anybody. Look, Hussein messaged me when I told him oh, I was coming on the podcast. He no. said, you have to plug GameSpot no, three times. Oh, and now you're talking That's about Tamor. Oh, you've mentioned it twice. If you mention it one more time, <laughs> GameSpot legally owns MinMax, I think. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> oh, is that right? It's like well, a field use situation. Yes, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> While we're in uh, the fighting game mode quick, oh, uh, check sure. out my review of Multiverses on IGN.com. Hey, look at that. Way yeah. to go. Uh, is that where the they big bucks uh, roll in? Yeah. Okay. What? I don't know. It's not important. <laughs> hey, uh, while we're here, check out my uh, preview of Dragon Ball The Breakers on the Min Max Show podcast, which is coming up right now. Um, so I finally got to play this thing, the closed network test. This is, um, if, you, if you don't recall, Dragon Ball The Breakers coming out October 14th. This is Dragon Ball's Dead by Daylight, basically, where it's 7v1, and you're going up against, like, Cell and Frieza, and you're just some random schmuck. And you're running around the environment and trying to cobble together a time machine to defeat this big bad as they're running around and attacking you. John, are you into this thing based on what you've seen so far? I think it looks it looks fun. I, I have not. I I didn't get into any of the betas, I don't think, that yeah. have happened. So um, it, it looks cool. I like the concept of it just being like regular ass people going yes. up against Cell and Frieza. Uh, that's exciting. It but. is. It, it works on that level of like, oh, I love being in a Dragon Ball game, being scared of Cell. Like mm -hmm. literally like hiding in a bush, like, oh, Cell's flying by right now. I hope he doesn't come over here. Like that's a cool bit of role playing He's for Dragon Ball. He's gonna suck me up with this creepy tail. <laughs> totally. Or like, you know, if uh, you're going up against Frieza, Frieza can literally do the move to you, which is so funny to see him do just a random human of pulling the Krillin, of like making you fly into the sky and then explode. It's just like oh, this no. brutality from Frieza. That's really fun. That's it. It's, it's a little jank, a little floaty. It's It feels probably about exactly what you expect where you're running around the environment. And then there's also a little bit of fighting where you can like, for a brief period of time, I think they call it a transfer, you can turn into like one of the Z fighters and then it just kind of turns into like Xenoverse fighting for okay. like hmm. a limited time in a very simplified streamlined version of it. Um, but it's it's a little chaotic. I, I was expecting maybe more tension from it. I, I streamed a little bit. You can check out the archive on our, our YouTube channel and all that stuff. Um, but it's... It is the type of game that, in, uh, with all due respect, it's like delightfully jank. Like in the tutorial, there's a moment where it's like, oh, you can pick up dragon radar, or not even dragon radar, because it's radar to show where the different things are in this region, yada, yada, yada. But then it just shifts to like this first person mode with like a hand like awkwardly out <laughs> that looks like it's from like Far Cry 2. And it's like <laughs> holding the radar as you're trying to find it. It's like, okay, this is this is what I want from this game. Um, and then like in the tutorial, they have a whole narrative of future trunks and all this stuff. Um, but during the tutorial, there's just a huge name above the character that's just survivor. Like that is what you're called if you're one of the seven. And then you get to customize and create your own character. And it's like, wow, this is kind of queued up for me. So I just ended up making Jeff Probst, the host of Survivor in uh, Dragon Ball The Breakers and spot on. Like the character creator is surprisingly good. Like you can make a Chiaotzu if you want to be so bold. Uh, okay. So then it was very fun to run around and hide in the bushes as Jeff Probst trying to dodge Frieza as he's trying to blow me up. So it's a pretty good game, I guess you could say. It's uh, a very Dragon Ball name, Jeff Probst. I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's, you wouldn't understand it, but it's actually a vegetable in Japan. Um, oh. But, yeah. Um, anyways, I was surprised. It's only going to be 20 bucks, I guess, when it comes oh, out. Oh, really? And so they might lean into like the customization for the characters in a big way because there's a lot of stuff already in there. But if they're going to push that down your throat in a, in a subtle way, yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how it goes. I mean, 
it also seems like the thing that they'll add, you know, Boo yeah. is going to be next, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I'm very curious to play, to see what it's like to actually play with a group of friends. I think it'd be a fun one to play with like the min-max community because if you're into Dragon Ball and you don't mind some some third-person jank, getting like an eight-player game where one of us is Cell, like that sounds so yeah. fun. Uh, that's Dragon Ball the Breakers, everybody. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, hey, Serial, I know it's been a while, but uh, do you remember how this whole thing operates? Uh, the, the, the internet. That's right, everybody. Pa- the website, patreon.com. That's right. Slash? Uh, MinMax with two and Yeah, he's still got it, everybody. No like rust bike. here, baby. Uh, you can find a link in the description for the podcast, or it's a pinned comment on YouTube. The link's everywhere. All we're asking of you is to check out that link, to check out patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. If you're listening to this show, you're, you've created this show, uh, especially if you're a supporter over there on Patreon. So check out the tiers, find one that's right for you. We got a lot of fun stuff, like a bonus podcast feed where you can more than double the amount of podcasts you listen to from MinMax each and every week right in your favorite podcast app. But thank you to some of our big supporters. I'm talking about folks like I Am 8-Bit, who wants you to know about the Stray vinyl soundtrack that they have, and then also the I Am 8-Bit exclusive edition of Stray on PlayStation. Uh, That version has premium matte black O-sleeve with holofoil speciale, they say, and a poster of the iconic first teaser art for Stray, and also comes with a fuzzy, pettable patch of the feline hero from Stray. Uh, Help support uh, I Am 8-Bit because they support us in a big, bad way. You can go to their wonderful online store and use the promo code STURGEONMOON. It's right in the description if you want to check it out. Sturgeon Moon, only one word for 10% off everything under $100 in IMA Bits Wonderful Online Store. Help support them because they support us by doing wonderful things like this. Uh, Whoever has the best community question this week, and we're really going to pay attention to it, um, that person will win the Muppet Movie Vinyl Soundtrack. Thanks to iMatebit. This will just magically appear in their mailbox. So look alive, everybody. Hopefully their front door, uh, not in their (laughs) mailbox. Well, they might, they'll probably fold the vinyl and yeah, they'll get it in there, I think. (laughs) Roll it up. It's made out of felt. Um, But, all right, here we go. These questions were all submitted over there on Patreon by wonderful supporters. Uh, Ian T. Clark writes in and says, holy crap, Surreal is here? My guy, what have you been up to? Just working, hanging out. Hanging out? Doing stuff. NDA'd. Really? NDA'd stuff? <laughs> yeah, how's the how's the consulting world going? Are you still loving it? Is it still a lot? Uh, legally, not to talk about the work that I do. What are you, why are you so uptight, dude? <laughs> I can't talk. I'm NDA'd. <laughs> well, I know for specific projects. Can you say if you like it or not? You can say if yeah, you... Yeah, I mean, I've been working on projects and stuff, seeing stuff before it's out. Um, mm. It's kind of just... Like what? <laughs> oh yeah! Look, look, I sent you that. And also, list of what do you everything. think of it? <laughs> Come on, guys, be cool. Come on, go easy. On. Give me details. Um, you, you've been tweeting though, surreal. How you're like, hey, I'd like to get into writing video games. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, uh, I've been I've been doing a little bit of work with Unity, just kind of trying to learn the engine on the side, and so I've been and also writing like just you know dialogue characters, character bios, things like that. So uh, yeah, if you guys, if you're hiring, if you're looking for a writer, uh, let me know. What type of thing would be like your dream project for writing? Uh, God, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, I, I guess, like, a kind of game that I'm really into. Like, if, you know, uh, something like a Supergiant game would be pretty cool. Working at Supergiant would be pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I guess RPGs are always good because they, they just require a lot of writing. Right, you know? like, right. Uh, so, so anything just... I feel like I'm, I'm good at, at, at volume, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm good... I'm, being a copywriter for, for a couple companies, like, just 
editing and stuff. So just even that. And a lot of it is working with Excel. So I've been, well, not learning Excel, but like I've been doing a lot of work in Excel. But Right on. Um, so that'd be cool. That's right on. That's right on, as we like to say. <laughs> uh, Ricky Winterborn writes in and says, what's a game you wish uh, had been a surprise success and become, became a popular franchise instead of the reality of it fizzling into obscurity? For example, I was hoping Riders Republic would pop off like Fall Guys did, but its launch was tepid at best. P.S. John Carson, a.k.a. the King of Late Night, is hilarious, <laughs> says Ricky <laughs> Winterborn. You. Congratulations. Um, did you like when Alex Sednick gave you cute nicknames on the Game Informer show? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, I feel like he settled on that one pretty quick. It's um, good. It's it's a, it's a low hanging fruit. You got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was like, can we say that? Like, can we legally give legally. me that nickname? And uh, I'm, I, I'm sticking with it. That's it's now my gamer tag. Did you did you have like a, no one did you have like kind of like an evolution like Leonard Nimoy with Spock about the ups and downs of whether to embrace the fact that your name is Johnny Carson? Yeah. Yep. Uh, especially like when I started working, uh, like every boss that I had would like start doing like golf swings, some hayos, uh, some weird Johnny Carson sketches in front of me, and I'm like, sure, yeah, I, that's my name whatever uh but yeah i've i've definitely embraced it over the years okay that's nice oh yeah. uh, anyways yeah ricky asked yeah what what game kind of fizzled but you wish it became a success in a popular franchise um my, i feel like I've, i bring this up all the time but i i would have loved to see it wouldn't have to become like a big franchise or anything but i would have loved some drill dozer sequels i yeah, really love yeah. drill dozer mm-hmm. and it even left the story like open to sequels and stuff like that but you know, it was, I don't know if it, it wasn't at their first, but it was like one of the early, like, hey, let's try to not make a Pokemon games yeah. from Game Freak. Yeah. And I think it just was like, it did fine. I don't think it, it, it didn't excite them enough to do more, which is a bummer. I like that game. What do you think? It's so weird to see Game Freak. I love it when they get experimental and release some other game. I just went back and watched the trailer for Tembo the Badass Elephant not too long ago. Like, mm, yeah, God, yeah. should I play this? It's such a weird-looking thing that Game Freak made. What is their most successful non-Pokemon game, do you think? Like... Yoshi? It, is it Yoshi for NES? They made Yoshi? Yeah. Wow. Um, it's got to be the best-selling, yeah. It's yeah. like Little Town Hero I don't think really did that well. No. no. Uh, what was the... Rhythm game that Harmonite. Came out of Harmonite. Yep, that yeah. seemed like it came and went Giga Wrecker, which yeah. they re-released and oh, made right. like that Steam version and stuff. But even that, Mendel Palace, which rules, especially that soundtrack rules. If you've never listened to Mendel Palace, the soundtrack is the same composer as Pokemon. Like especially the early days with Masuda. Has anybody ever played Mendel Palace? No. Oh, it's it's surprisingly cool. Um, Harmonite, though, great. Harmonite. They're, they're cool games. I just feel like I would love to see the sales for all of them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, has anybody else got an answer for something that fizzled? I wouldn't say it fizzled, but I definitely really liked the Pushmo games uh, Ooh, a couple, yeah. like a generation ago on on I think it was on Wii U and 3DS. Yeah, um, and like there were four of them. To be fair, so it's not yeah. like it. It's not like they didn't go anywhere. It's just it seemed like they just stopped making them after a while. Um, but I'm surprised they just kind of that that franchise was always kind of quiet, you know. It, it was always yeah. like, oh, they made a new Pushka game, and like it wasn't at a direct or anything. It wasn't like it wasn't ever a franchise they really pushed, and then they just kind of quietly stopped making them instead of you know, no one it says like, hey, make a new Pushmo. It's just it's like one of the Nintendo's most obscure recent franchises. 
Yeah, because like, what are they going to do with it? You know, I'm sure they're in the spot of like, it sold fine. It wasn't flying yeah. off the digital shelves. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? Make a AAA version of Pushmo? Like, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, so, they, they did Crashmo, Pushmo. Yeah. Uh, they, they did, yeah, like Serial said, they did like four of them. And I wonder if they just ran out of like interesting mechanics to yeah. build off of. Or even like a push release on Switch would have been cool. But yeah, it yeah. just seems like people don't talk about those games at all. But like, they were all pretty good puzzle games. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll go with uh, Tomodachi Life. Uh, hell yeah. That's <laughs> just like a weird Animal Crossing like uh, published by Nintendo. And like it, it really is just like me's going off the rails in like the, the funnest way possible. Now, um, do you count Miitopia in that universe as kind of the RPG I, successor? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But like even that's not super successful, I don't think. I, you know, it, it's one of those that really snuck up on me when I saw it. Like I just Googled it to double check. Yeah, the Switch version alone of Miitopia sold 1.63 million copies. Wow. <laughs> it's like, I don't know who uh, all right, is out there buying right. Miitopia. My daughter, she loves that game. Yep, she yeah. has like basically beaten it and restarted it. Wow. I just never hear people talking yeah. about it. It's turns out well, it's because they're all 10 year olds. Yeah, they don't know how to talk. <laughs> um, yeah, my nephews, <laughs> like that game just locked in as like my first real RPG. Like they were all mm. in on that game. Uh, Michael Berry writes in and says Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is being re-released as an arcade cabinet from Arcade 1 Up. I'm I played it. I know, I saw that video at GameFormer. Uh, I'm thinking of getting one of these. Do any of you have an arcade cabinet or are interested in getting one? Um, yes, that's not very tempting. Yeah, that, that MVC2 cabinet how many games are on there again? It's ridiculous. Eight? It's, it's it's like every every versus game and every X Men fighter that came like before. That's like in the lineage of MVC two, and then like the two uh, Marvel Super Nintendo beat 'em ups that have been on arcade one ups before. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. That. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fighting game guy. I think I tweeted you tweeted at you about this serial, but like that one, I. I I don't have room for an arcade cabinet, and but like the one that got announced, I was like, "Ooh, Marvel vs. Yes. Capcom 2 is like one of the few fighting games I like got into in a big way. I like borrowed my buddy, my buddy's Dreamcast, and he had a, he had it burned on a disc, and I just like played it a ton over the course of like a week or two, and I was like, oh, I'll take that over like you know Simpsons Arcade or something. I, I'll definitely totally. like I would pl- I would sit down and play that for a while, you know. I think it's it's. Such an incorrect move to get one of those arcade cabinets that's just like a brawler. You know, yeah. it's just get a fighting game. Get something that you can play forever because you're going to get bored of anything else so quickly. But I'm so tempted by this because I love Marvel vs. Capcom 1, but MVC 2, as far as I know, like getting it up and running in MAME has always been a weird hiccup. Like I've never been able to get it. Yeah, it, it, it runs on uh, basically Dreamcast hardware. So like, yeah, getting that getting that up and running on, on an emulator is tough. And is that like the best console version, Dreamcast? Yeah. Yeah. Over PS2 and Xbox Arcade and stuff like that? I, I think so. But like this is still like the arcade version. And the arcade version is basically like the arcade hardware is basically a Dreamcast. So weird. Oh boy, and then in that, in that video at Game Informer, we kind of outlined it like the guy from yeah. Arcade 1 Up. Um, he seemed Gundy. to imply yeah. that like it was Maximilian Dude's campaign to revive MVC2 that got this thing up and running. That's what he says. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. You don't believe uh, it? Well, like he was the dude who got MVC2 on like 360 and, and PS3 back in the day. Um, he was like a really? licensing guy at Capcom and like got got like those old fighting games like uh, what? Like the Darkstalkers collection, uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. 
uh, and MVC2 uh, with those updated ports. Oh, wow. This is the arcade yeah. one up guy you're saying? Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. not Maximilian yeah. Duke. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, I didn't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know <laughs> that history. And- no, but, yeah, but, yeah, but Max also has, like, history. Like, he, he worked uh, partially on, like, KI and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, he's, he's done stuff with fighting games in the past. Yeah, but. gotcha. The other thing about it, like, I don't know that I would use it a ton, but it's because, like, even, like, the most, uh, like, the best arcade uh, machine at this point would be, like, 10% playtime, 90% decoration. Yep. Yeah. But I think the sure. the key art that they use for that machine is, like, the key art that I want. Yeah. It's just, like, here's yeah. a bunch of Marvel characters on one side, here's a bunch of Capcom characters on the other. Mm-hmm. So it's almost mostly just to have, like, do I want to pay $350 just to have that somewhere right. uh, in, in the house? And, yeah. like, maybe probably not but maybe the answer might be yes yeah (laughs) yeah i made made a whole video about wanting to get an old sunset writer's cabinet which is a good example of like don't do that you'd run out of your fun with it pretty quickly compared to a fighting game but i just wanted it for that art and for that stupid nostalgia um but i still i can't find one although there's an added wrinkle where it was earlier this year there was like an auction in wilmer minnesota which is close to my hometown um, and they had a Sunset Riders cabinet and somebody sent it to me. And so I reached out to a friend that lives in the area and I'm like, hey, could you go to this open house thing and like see if that runs? Because they it, they said in the description, not sure if it even runs. And so it was a weird thing where it was a cabinet where, it, sorry, it didn't even have the cabinet, didn't have the art. And all it was was kind of like the guts of the machine for Sunset oh. Riders. So it's like. Should I try and get that? And that's so, still pretty cool, though, because then you I can thought, just get, like, the yep, machine. That's what I thought. So I sent my friend there to see if it would actually run and turn on or anything or, you know, even fire up. And then he's like, yeah, I went there, but I got distracted by other stuff at their open house, so I didn't even check it out. <laughs> I was like, what? You <laughs> drove all the way there and didn't check it out? Yuck. That's funny. Uh, John, is there a cabinet you want? Um, I, I think I just want, like, a, a, a standard, like, Japanese, what are they, candy cabs? Uh, like, the, the, like... The sit-down? Just sit down like, yeah, yeah, you could have like maybe two controls on on the front there. Um, sometimes they they only do like one uh, controller so you can hook it up to another one and like have people play on their own screen. Yeah. Um, but I think doing that and like swapping out games on it would be pretty cool. Definitely. That's that's kind of my ideal situation. Uh, Mike Lynch writes in and says, hey, y'all, what's your favorite part of a s'more? Is it the overall snack or is there one ingredient that makes it pop? That's a great question. I, th- I think it's the, just the combination of the ingredients because I, I don't know that like I'm a huge marshmallows guys outside yeah. of s'mores, but I just like the way that it combines with the other two ingredients. Like I don't eat marshmallows much outside of like anything s'mores related at all. But really. you'd like delight in just cromping down on some graham crackers though, right? I mean, I, I if someone has graham crackers at their house, I'll I'll get some, but I don't buy them a ton. <laughs> I'll like, go I, to their I, cabinet and see uh, what they. I, I will hunt them down, I'll hold whether them up they want gunpoint. me to or not. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I like I'm a, I do like Hershey's chocolate, so I'll eat that outside of, of the s'mores. But like, it, it does feel like it's just like a for whatever reason, it's just like, like the flavors of those three things put together just feels like it, it is a uh, more than the sum of its parts. Thing. That's right. We made a whole video about it. You can check it out on our Midmax channel. Here's my question to you. What's the deal with graham crackers? <laughs> I mean, were they around? All right, all right, Seinfeld. Oh, no, but were they around for 30 years before finally somebody made a s'more and they're like, oh, thank God. We now have a business that can like be propped up. Because like if the s'mores didn't so you, okay, exist. So, so you, you're under the impression that like people just don't eat graham crackers outside of that? No. I feel like no. they're pretty popular. Like no. when I go to the grocery store, there's, 
it's like a they're, big part of the whatever cookies aisle you go to because like, of s'mores several- because it's the summer and because of s'mores i'm saying that if s'mores didn't exist graham crackers would have gone bankrupt in 1973 really? that's my theory that was the me the the me rpg that we were just talking Meetopia? about whose name uh, me, this is a Metopia situation again, where you're underestimating children's desire for this thing. Mm-hmm. So children divorce mm-hmm. from s'mores, which is tragic when you see that in a family, by the yeah. way. Yeah. But when it happened, they will just go to a store and say, give me a graham cracker. Yeah. Throw some peanut butter on there. Yeah. Really? Totally. Yeah. yeah they're more versatile than, than <laughs> s'mores. Even. Yeah. Dip okay. them in milk. All right. Oh, yeah. That's surprising to me. Chaz Cheeto, <laughs> continuing the theme, says, hey, brew crew. Uh, Serial, we're the brew crew now, just so you know. Mm. Um, so you guys are like into like stout beers or that's like mainly, yeah. We're on that? week mm. eight of drinking beer for New Show Plus. Actually, oh, hang okay. on, write that All down, right. Kyle. We should put that in the poll. Um, just get blackout drunk in the middle of the day. We've I've done it. We had, an, we had Nintendo <laughs> Online as a series, which mm, it was fun for a while. Um, it is it is that feeling. It's the absinthe hour. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's the only thing oh, that can boy. take down Wii Sports. Um, okay, I know the show is generally very positive, but I had a mildly negative question for today. I'm sorry, Jazz, we can't allow that. Um, I was thinking about the games released so far this year, as well as the remaining slate after the many delays, and I'm wondering if there, if this is the weakest year for big AAA games specifically since 2014. There are a handful of well-received indies, same as in a year, and the highs are higher than 2014 with games like Elden Ring and, if it's not delayed, likely God of War but it feels like there isn't much left on the horizon, no pun intended, to look forward to. That's and, interesting. Yeah. Did they live through last year? Hmm. Hmm. Because I would probably argue that last year was a worse year for big AAA games. For AAA. So last year, Resident Evil Village, Forza Horizon 5, yeah. Deathloop, Halo Infinite, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Returnal, Ratchet & Clank. All right. All right. All right. You know, Guilty Gear. Yeah. All yeah. Right. There's. Sorry, I'm not. This is all is not off the top of my head. I'm googling. I feel this like stuff, so. But. So many games have been pushed in like recent years that like my comprehension of what's come out in a specific year is just right. Messed up. But I mean, this year you have you have Elden Ring, you have Horizon, um, like they like they mentioned. Uh, we have uh, Monster Hunter DLC, which I think is uh, AAA as well. Yeah, hey, you're pushing hey, it. You're pushing it, buddy. You're, right. Yeah. Um, Get out of here. It is, you know, it's tough because your first reaction is, well, no, this is the Elden Ring here. But it's like, outside of that That will high, be the legacy in three or four yeah. years. We'll I be think like, oh, that's be. the year Elden Ring came out. I think you're right. But I think they might be honest. I think, I'm thinking of 2019 might be a contender where it was Control, Sekiro, Resident Evil 2 remake, Death Stranding. Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, like, I, I would yeah. say this is pro- this is worse than 2019. I, I think I like I like really? 2019 more more than most people, but I think 2022 is probably. I, I know a lot of it is probably because I don't have to necessarily play games outside of a select few for work, so yeah. I just maybe haven't mm-hmm. been following release schedules as often. But yeah, it definitely seems like no everyone's talking about uh, Elden Ring basically all the time. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And like it seems like once a month there's like maybe one other release that people glom onto, and even those are feel like like. Again, you know, this is Horizon's legacy is that like I didn't hear a ton of people like like that game didn't have much of a long tail. And it seems like everything else besides God of War, it just seems like it's like I'm excited for stuff like Gotham Knights. But like I I feel like like that's a me game for whatever reason, because people aren't super hot on Gotham Knights or like stuff like Dark Tide, which I'm strangely excited for, um, which that, that got pushed. But I think a lot of it is like, yeah, I think a lot of games are being delayed to 2023 and that's going to be, you know, like that is going to be a killer year. 
Um, but a lot of it, I think this is just like the year that COVID has really affected in terms of like a lot of the 2021 stuff seemed like, okay, like we got hit by a pandemic, but like we, we can sort of, you know, muscle up and, and then kind of figure out how to ship this because we were almost done yeah. versus I think a lot of the projects that were kind of earlier in development now are being hit by kind of like people adjusting to, to work at home. And I think this is mm-hmm. the year that everyone just kind of said, well, we're going to be really seeing in the same year as Zelda Ring and, and God of War, you know, so we may as well just wait another year. But then they then you run into stuff like, well, now Zelda and Resident Evil yeah. 4 and like all these other games that also pushed. Um, so it, it, to me, it, this does seem like the least kind of like populated year, even though like uh, Elden Ring definitely skews uh, a lot of the reception of like how good the year was. Well, so this is a year where we're also getting two big Pokemon games. Like yep. a lot of it's yep. like Nintendo, like Bayonetta, Xenoblade, Splatoon coming yeah. out, Xenoblade, yep, yep. Kirby was earlier this year. Yeah. Um, like there are a lot of big like AAA games and I... I think a lot of it's flying under the radar because it is overshadowed by something like uh, like Elden Ring. But uh, don't get it twisted. Like there are great big games this year. Yeah. And this is definitely just talking about AAA because there's plenty of smaller games that are, are really great this year. And yeah, I just um, I just finished Live Alive over the weekend. It it rules. It's it's so Greg. good. Like, yeah, Kyle, are you sticking with it? Where are you at in Live Alive? Uh, I, I'm I haven't played more other than the first like 20 or 30 minutes uh, because <laughs> Cult of the Lamb oh, is sure. kind of like in the mm. one that sort of I'm focusing on in my handheld gaming time. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, Live Life, it's it's longer than you think. Uh, just a heads up for folks. And it's definitely my least favorite stuff in the game is towards the end, but it's just so unique that it's, it's definitely one of my favorites of the year. Um, Chris Logan writes in and says, Hey, Ben of the Horts, roguelike and roguelite are genres that supposedly have slightly different definitions, but every time I've heard someone describe one of these games, they say, yeah, it's a roguelike, roguelite style game, which not only defeats the whole purpose of having two genres, but is quite a mouthful. I've begun simply calling these rogue games. It gives enough information without getting bogged down in unnecessary and repetitive details, and I'm hoping that it catches on. Chris, I could not be more on board for this. I, I think that is absolutely the right way to go, because as somebody who talks about games a lot on podcasts and whatnot, like I will still catch myself going roguelite if I'm trying to talk yeah. about something like Cult of the Lamb. It's just, it's unnecessary. We need to stop torturing ourselves. Just rogue. Just say rogue. It's fine, everybody. Let's do it. Uh, I'm agreed. Okay. Surreal, so help me God, if you're going to naysay this. I, I do I, explain the difference. My, my honest answer is I do not care enough to have like to form a cogent <laughs> argument about it. But you I, wanted to argue. I am aggressively against the term roguelite because I think roguelike just kind of does yeah. it already. It is it is a game where you are repeatedly playing through a loop and trying to succeed. And I think that's yeah. really the only thing that you need to know about that that genre. But at yeah, this I point, roguelite. I think roguelike came about because people were really nitpicky about what roguelike yes. meant of like, yes. oh, if you if there's any kind of progression between runs, then it's not actually like rogue is, or whatever. Is it a turn based thing where you're crawling through a dungeon on grids? Then Yeah. So like I think roguelike is is perfectly like it, it, it describes the thing that you are trying to talk about, which is like yeah. if you die, you have to start over from the beginning and there's there's no like checkpoints in terms of like space where you you know you don't start at the last area you died you start from the beginning and but, like but everything at that point, but it, it, it helps frame the discussion in the in the 
person you're talking to's head of like, okay, it's one of those, right? Yeah. But at this point, it's not like Rogue is an active franchise and nobody nope. except for Ben Pax can go back and actually play that thing. So at this point, just <laughs> get rid of the like. Just just say See, Rogue. I, but I think that would be more, I think roguelike is more popular than rogue at this point. I don't think people yeah. care oh, what rogue is. Yeah. So, so, so I think, just I think roguelike is the term because it is the most popular one. I think changing it, if you're saying like, this is a rogue game, mm. people would be like, it's a what? It's a roguelike. And then like that. So I don't think there's any benefit to switching to rogue. Just call it, well, I call think it what benefit, is the most no, knowable no. term, which is roguelike. I think the benefit is if you say like, then you're still going to have the distinction of people will want to jump in there and be like, well, is this kind of light? I'm saying you, you nip that in the bud and just don't even give them the option of adding the like or the light i i'd say replacing it would be an uphill battle because the people would people would always default to a, like not knowing what a rogue game is and then yeah. you just explain it with the more popular term i'm it's ready like, to go uphill i'm ready we're gonna start this Let's revolution start the fight. <laughs> right here right now <laughs> we'll be happy when we make it to the peak we'll from, be glad we made from it here on out you're allowed to leave us a one-star review on whatever podcast What's your service favorite you want. rogue game if if we say if we say roguelike in the future only rogue from here on out uh will writes in and says do you think games would sell better or worse if they listed the average hour count on the front of the box or on the store page when you bought it i think worse I think yeah. we underestimate how many people buy games based on how long they think they will be. Yep. We want to get through them quicker because we need to get through to other games. Other people want to have their money's worth and like live yeah. in a world for forever if they want to. Yeah. It's also it's not even like a person. I mean, personally, just the way I, I sort of enjoy games, it's not. A, not even like outside of any kind of professional obligation. I just like to see as much as possible from as many different things as possible where a lot of gamers are content to find one or two things they really love and stick with it. That's just not how I consume video games as entertainment medium. I want to see all the different new things people are trying. So I kind of like shorter experiences, but I recognize that I'm kind of a unique gamer in that per you know, maybe not unique but like i think the the number of people who want to get their money's worth like john said i think yeah. is a larger group of people i think you're right for sure uh garrett wayne stock writes in and says barrels in the souls series are one of my favorite mechanics in games they're fun to break can be used as environmental obstacles or to obscure secrets and they help track your progress throughout a level they solve a lot of problems at once uh, are there any examples of this mechanic predating demon souls and how can this mechanic Barrels. be improved or integrated into other genres? Let me tell you about Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. <laughs> Donkey Kong. Full Goldeneye had like crates that you could blow up in a similar yeah. way. Right. You know, and sometimes I mean, they had ammo in them and stuff. And would yeah. even you can destroy vases in Zelda. Well, that's the thing. It isn't like I mean, grass yeah. in Zelda, like and vases. I guess it's probably yeah, a better example. Like blocks in Mario. But it's, I guess, yeah. What about like the thing that they're that they're focusing on, which I think is interesting, is the idea that like if you break all the barrels in a room and you get lost and you come back to that room, you're like, okay, I've been here. Yeah, because you can mm -hmm. get lost in from mm -hmm. games. Where I get lost all the time. Whereas the so grass, I think that's an interesting the grass factor. resets in Zelda, at least like Link to the Past and Link's Awakening. For sure, Link's Awakening, and I'd imagine Link to the Past. Yeah. If you go off the screen, then go back, the grass is going to yeah. reset, right? Yeah. In a dungeon, though, I, I think. If you enter a room and break the vases and then come back, are they still broken? I, don't I know. think I think I think they refill, but they they just yeah. won't be items in them that time. Right, yeah. right. Uh, Garrett wants to know how can they be improved. I think make the barrels louder bigger. noises. Louder. Yeah. It needs to be more cacophonous when you run through a bunch of them. Right. right. I want I want just a little bit of experience, just like one or two. Right. For like so breaking is, through the barrels. How is that in any way relevant to anything else you do in the game? How is it making you better at it makes fighting? You feel good. Um, it's um, fun. I mean, I it's I am. You're exercising you know, your muscles. 
Yeah, you're doing work. <laughs> well, I, all right. And then you can have like yeah, a, a barrel build where it's all about just assassinating barrels, just one quick yeah. stab. I just I, got a I mod. right in the bunghole. I hole. can't not just roll through barrels in front of games. It's just mm. like required. I just I have to do it. It's yeah. fun. So give someone's me gonna leave a that. barrel outside your house, and you're just gonna be like, <laughs> they, it's probably a trap, but they got me. So you're just gonna roll into it. Yeah, I'm sure it would react just like it does in the video game if I were yeah. to roll into a barrel. <laughs> there you go. New Game Plus idea. You just go outside and try to like roll into random objects and see if there's stuff inside them. We first up and last up, down the stairs. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to roll into every trash bin on my street. Kind of say. Rolling upstairs. That's another good yeah. one. Uh, barrels. Uh, I, I have been dreaming and talking way too much over the last couple of years. I'm like, I really want a barrel. Because I remember as a kid standing on a barrel and they're really fun to like walk on. So I was mm -hmm. looking at like prices of barrels and stuff and I've been yammering on for way too long about barrels. Um, and then a friend of mine this spring surprised me and bought me a big wooden barrel. It's oh, like wow. an old whiskey barrel and you can like open up the hole and smell it and it still is just like this super pungent whiskey smell. Um, and it's been great. It's fun to walk on. You can only get a couple steps before you fall on your ass and all that. But it looks cool. You can set a drink on it. But then this last weekend... By, by walk on, do you mean getting on top of it yeah. and stepping a little? And or doing like, where you're rolling? You, you roll it. You do the whoop, 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 oh, whoop, okay. whoop, whoop type thing. Um, but then this Zoidberg last weekend... Uh, was that, Kyle? Uh, Zoidberg over here. Mm -hmm. Zoidberg. Futurama. <laughs> the squid character. Does he like whoop, barrels? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Anyway, no, so uh, and this last weekend, though, uh, we, we took it a step beyond. This is to go even further beyond where we finally did the impossible and put the barrel in the lake. Because like running on the barrel in the oh. water is the ultimate challenge, right? Yeah. It could not have kicked our asses harder. There were like uh, several of us trying to just like ride this barrel, run on the barrel. Impossible. I think the secret is we need to fill the barrel a little bit because if it's just completely empty, oh. it spins so fast. You can't even stay on it. It seems impossible, but like we just wrestled this barrel for like an hour and we all got cut up and scraped. Oh. And this barrel officially kicked our ass. But so if anybody has any barrel water tips, I'd be very interested. But it is fun. It's the most Ben Hansen thing I've ever Thank heard. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, David Dubs writes in and says, Hey, everybody, uh, what was your first car like? Did you get stuck with a real stinker? I had a 1991 Geo Prism that had its driver's side window fall off in a Wendy's drive through <laughs> at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, keep it. The Geo Prism. I, I inherited the family minivan, the Plymouth Voyager, and it was great. It was like perfect for me because I was like in a band and I would throw all everyone's equipment in there and I would just like, I took out the middle seat and would just throw a bunch of people in there. <laughs> No. It was like the perfect like high school vehicle because it was kind of a piece of junk, but I could fit a bunch of stuff in there. Do you miss it? No. Okay. I don't think so. I okay. like the current car I drive. And what do you drive? But it was it was just perfect. It was just a great first car. It right. was it was good for socializing in high school. I would love to go back and try and drive this car. That was my first because it was the biggest piece of junk. It was a 1986 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra, and it it smelled horrific. I don't even know what corner of hell we got this in. And the thing was, it had like a cloth ceiling, but it was like <laughs> it was so old that the cloth was like sagging down, mm -hmm. so it would mm -hmm. like rub the top of your head. So yeah. we had to like put thumbtacks all around the ceiling just to try and keep this thing up there. And I just remember like. I am I am as uncar guy as possible. I don't give a crap about anything. But I remember don't listen to Adam Carolla. 
<laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> but I just remember being struck by flooring it, like the acceleration of this thing. It was like zero to 60 in 14 minutes. It was, it was egregious. <laughs> like the acceleration was so bad and so clunky in this old hunk of junk. But, but God, yeah. I'd do anything to drive it one more time, I, man. I had a really bad time with my 2001 Grand Vitara, I think, because it, I, it was busted in all the ways that a car should not be busted because it made driving other cars worse. Uh, <laughs> so for one, like the, the the worst thing about it was that the accelerator was kind of busted and that you had to press down on that thing really hard in order for it to even just go at the slowest possible speed, which made transitioning to other cars really difficult because I would just floor it and immediately like do the thing where you're starting and stopping yep. all the time. Uh, it was super tiny, so I couldn't fit anything in there. And, like, uh, it, it was really short, so, like, you could fit, like, it, it had four seats, but, like, four people in there would be way too crowded. And, like, you couldn't store anything in there. So it's like, oh, I need I need to, like, move my bike or, like, some large object. It would barely fit every time. Um, but it wasn't, like, the, the thing that I did appreciate it was because it was so small, it made parking really easy. Ooh, but then nice. it made parking literally any other car harder because I wasn't used to cars that were any larger than, like, a Mini Cooper, basically. <laughs> so it was, like, a weird thing that made driving harder, uh, driving other cars harder. So it right. actually worked the learning curve which is the the exact opposite of what you want out of a starter car oh boy uh john do you remember yours yeah it was a 94 chevy cavalier Ooh, uh, la di da mr fancy uh, pants over here Rich uh, parents. It, it was it was a car that uh my family got when we lived in milwaukee and we moved to minnesota with it and it had gone through my parents and my sister before it eventually got to me and i don't think it lasted very long with me um, but yeah, that was, that was an old ass car that I drove in high school. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony, the swordsman, by the way, I wrote it down. I don't know if it'll win next week, but I wrote down maybe for new show plus we can have like a show where we try and buy cars, not literally buy them, but just like go shopping for cars. Kind of like we do for house hunter rise. Um, do you think people would like that? Is that fun? Or we just, do we know so little that it wouldn't be very entertaining to look at cars? I think if I you think get someone who knows cars, out. I guess. Okay. Um, I think because you know so little. That you should just make make stuff up about it. Okay. And, uh, I think that'd yeah, be yeah. Exciting. Improv about cars for an hour. That sounds yep. like a piece of mm-hmm. good. Uh, Tony make the parts. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the tie iron. Uh, Tony the swordsman writes in and says, "Serial, did you drink all the jalapeno energy drink that we got you for the second anniversary of Min Max?" Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. I, I think it was that was pretty close to like New Year's, right? It was towards uh, the end. Of the year. It would have been October. So maybe, oh no, because a friend of mine has uh, their birthday near the end of October. So I think I just brought it to his birthday party and said like, hey, you guys want to try this weird thing? And they, <laughs> one of them tried it and was like, oh, I don't want that anymore. <laughs> uh, yep. So I think I think one of my friends had that stuff in his fridge for a while. So I ended up giving it to him. But oh. the first one I had was like weirdly like, the first one I had was like, oh, this is all right. And then I had a second one. And was like, oh, I don't like this at all. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, Crowboy wants to know in the backstage pass chat watching us live. Did you finish the honey? Did I finish the honey? I think by the end of it, it just was like, I, I wasn't sure how long it took so uh, to go bad. So I think at some point I just kind of left it in my pantry for a while. And then I just kind of threw it out because I, I, I don't use honey a ton. So I think honey's I mean, immortal. Think, oh, okay. I, I'm pretty honey sure. Never die, honey never dies. How long does honey last? I think it's like, well, they say 12 months. But... Come on, I think it's, it's immortal. Forever. That's basically forever. Uh, Joe yeah. Garifo says, Hey, Manmaxers, we're in the peak of summer right now, right here. What's your favorite drink to help cool down and beat the heat? The last few years, it's been cold brew coffee and lemonade half and half, just like Arnold Palmer. Maybe you'll give each other 
<laughs> no, I can't read today. Maybe you'll give each other new ideas to cool down post Wii Sports episodes, uh, which seems like what you might as well name New Show Plus now. Um, no, we Wii Sports will be conquered in New Show Plus. At some point, we'll come up with a show. I thought we fired everything we had this last week of like, how about it's Kelsey Lewin and we're going to indie game stores and saying F GameStop and we're showing off indie game stores and going shopping with Kelsey, who's an expert in game stores. And still people were like, nah. We want more of you playing sports. It's like, man, we've got nothing else. <laughs> but we'll try. Um, yeah, what's uh, what's the best drink to cool down right now? I so this isn't like my my drink of choice. Like I really just like an ice, really ice cold water with like entirely too much ice in it. Mm. But I do have this like very vivid memory of attending Warped Tour in high school and being very cheap they wouldn't let you bring in your own water they just sold water in the venue and we were didn't have any money outside of the tickets we spent you know the money on the tickets. so we just like didn't drink any water all day at this outdoor concert and it was it ended up being kind of miserable i saw afi though hansen how uh, miserable could it be man and uh, i just remember that night like when we were driving back we stopped at like a mcdonald's and i bought like a big mellow yellow and i just took like it's weird that it's such a vivid memory, but I took like the biggest swig and I just felt my whole body like lower like a couple degrees. I just felt it like spread through my chest. You were mellowed. Like, I was mellow yellowed. Wow. It was amazing. So I will always remember that even though even though if I'm very hot, I don't think I'll grab a mellow yellow out of the fridge. Has mellow yellow shifted again? Because remember like nine years ago, they pivoted and were like, mellow yellow, it's for hunters now. And they have like camo cans and every commercial is like somebody shooting a deer with their black lab. And it's like, what? Mellow yellow. What are, what are you anymore? Oh, it's clearly for high school kids who attended Warp Tour and are very <laughs> <Right>. thirsty. <laughs> exact same demographic. Well, they've actually pivoted to like, it's not for drinking, it's for pouring on yourself. Mm. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> It's a balm. Yeah. Um, I, uh, this is really dorky. I don't know if anybody else did this, but at the start of the summer, I'm like, and it probably helps that my wife's a dork too. But we're like, we're going to take notes on what we want to accomplish this summer or like our summer goals. And one of them for me is like, drink more margaritas. Because right. like I visited my parents in Arizona over the summer and were there for I don't know, like five days. And at a certain point I just noticed like, I've had a margarita every day. This is going to be my thing now. In, in, in summer hot days, I'm just going to be a big margarita guy. And so- You and, walk in on, on your wife saying like, Honey, I've got a personality now. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's my thing. So I think that's the go-to drink in the heat. It's tough to beat a margarita, right? It's a good, it's a good yeah. choice. Although, you, should, you should make your own version that like tweaks one thing about a margarita and call it the Ben Marita. Oh, I thought you're gonna go with a Min Margarita, Min Maxarita, or something. Mm. Um, that too. If anybody can let me know in the comments below how to get the salt to stick to the rim, though, because I just I'm flailing wildly. I don't you, know. You wet it a little bit. I try. It doesn't you, stay. I don't know. It's wrong salt. That's what you do. All right. Um, I, I I was making bloody marys for a bit, and so mm. I would try I would try the the salt rim too. I would just take a little bit of water, put it put it on my finger, and just run it around the side of the glass, and then dip it in that salt, baby. Yeah, that does sound good. Uh, hey, everybody listening to this, go make yourself a nice. Uh, a nice fancy cold drink. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Butler writes in and says, Hello, motorcycles and helicopters. Uh, missed joke opportunity. Um, last week when talking about Roller Drone releasing August 16th, Hansen said, Run, don't walk. When he should have said, Skate, don't run. You're right. <laughs> and I regret that with every waking breath. You um, regret your words indeed. That's right. Uh, Ryan says, Anyway, we all remember 2013 was Nintendo's year of Luigi. This year seems like the year of threes. 
In 2022, the Switch will release Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Splatoon 3, Bayonetta 3, Fire Emblem Warriors, Three Hopes, and Triangle Strategy. It's <laughs> a great point. All right. All right. I like it. I think In 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, just missed the boat on that one. Sam Kennedy writes in and says, Hey, everybody, are you sick of stories being meta? It feels like every big budget game show and movie has to have ton of a ton of fourth wall breaking self-referential jokes. Is it all Deadpool's fault? Regardless, I recently found myself leaning more and more towards stories that exist in their own worlds without winking at the audience every few minutes. I, there's, I get it. Um, I, I really like the show uh, Only Murders in the Building. Steve right. Martin and Martin Short. And this second sure. season, there's been a lot of jokes about the second season and how do they do it again. And I'm finding them particularly unfunny. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think I am sort of hitting a wall of not really enjoying that sort of meta comedy anymore. I'm really curious, like even in the trailer for She-Hulk, they show her breaking the fourth wall, which I guess is a big thing in the comics. And it's like, I don't know if the MCU has to justify that in a pre-Deadpool world or if they can just do it and not worry about it. Because I was, this, ugh, I hate, I hate that I'm this much of a dork, but I was really thinking hard about this. Like, how do they explain that? Is it going to shatter things in the MCU? But it's like, well, didn't Miss Marvel kind of break the fourth wall already by having like text pop up in the world and stuff? Isn't that kind of fourth wall breaking in and of itself? I guess, it, I mean, it's a stylistic choice. Yeah, it's, it, it feels like it's a different layer than like looking at the camera, acknowledging like, hey, I've got superpowers and I'm going to use them or whatever. It, like it's not like sorry. Malcolm in the middle. Like, yeah, we're, they're not addressing the audience. It just, it just feels like, like clever yeah. set dressing versus something yeah. like we're going to acknowledge that we are characters in this situation. And even though it's dangerous, we're going to be really nonchalant about it, which is like the, the thing that really, I think Marvel kind of pioneered. And then right. everyone seemed like, well, the, the Marvel movies are successful. So we should be more like them. Their style of humor is this. So let's do that. Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. that that has gotten super popular. Yeah, I think it's also we're still in the kind of comedic wake even of kind of the Judd Apatow stuff, which I really loved a lot at the time and all that. But, you know, a good example is, and I think we talked about Serial, but like that Mortal Kombat movie was just like, whenever they throw out the references, like, hey, cool it there, Gandalf. Just like a guy with a beard or whatever. And it's like, what are we doing here? There's no joke. You're just lightly referencing something else. And Marvel's been doing it a ton, you know. Um, But I had this feeling, Sam, when, um, when I was really head over heels in love with Elden Ring and then jumped into Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And normally I'm all on board for jokes, sillier the better, all this stuff. But just something about that transition just made me feel like, Gearbox, you f***ing cowards. Like, don't just make fun of a fantasy. Make some cool fantasy world, you know? Like, but I understand it's not their brand. It's not what they're doing with that game. But like that, that those two games back to back, something about it annoyed the hell out of me. Is anybody else sick of meta? I was trying to make a Facebook joke, but I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, you can do it. You uh, can do it. Take your time. Something about a quest. It's not a quest I'd go on. Okay. Yes, I, my, it's, maybe you say, like, I hate Facebook quests or Facebook humor, and then you correct yourself and say, oh, sorry, meta humor. That's No, that's... Mm-hmm. Sir, that was a joke. You could have sold that, dude. Damn it. You want another stab at it? We'll edit it. I promise. No, no one's gone. Just write in to the podcast. <laughs> yep. Miss joke opportunity. already <laughs> watching <laughs> now. It's too late. I'm not, now I'm all embarrassed. I understand. Uh, Muffin Crumb says, Hey, Ben and the Hansonettes. That's us. Uh, I recently binge listened to all of your Lord of the Rings commentary tracks in the bonus podcast feed for MinMax. It was on a long car ride. I absolutely died laughing many times. There's so many hilarious uh, moments, especially near the ends, as you all start to lose your minds from the sheer length sure, of those okay. extended editions. Uh, and then Muffin asks... Hobbit trilogy win, boy, that'd be a rough ride. I have, 
I haven't even seen the third one, and I have very few thoughts on those did, first Did two. you do the extended editions? We did. For those? Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. And it's one of those things where it's like, I think I know Lord of the Rings okay. And then I got into it and I realized, oh, I don't think I've seen some of these movies since the theaters. <laughs> I've just like got bits and pieces on TV, yeah. but it was a really fun time. So thanks everybody for listening to that. You can search for it in the bonus podcast feed as well if you want to go back and listen to it. Um, Ryan Vote writes in and says, Better Quest Achievement Unlocked. I wrote in a few weeks ago about how I've wanted to record one of my song parodies. And well, I did it. It is <laughs> called Return to NES. And it's based on Enigma's excellent song, Return to Innocence. Yes. All right. Um, Ryan says, thanks to the MinMax community for the accountability and please enjoy. I'll, I'll jump ahead, but this is, uh, once more, this is Ryan Vogt's Return to NES parody. That will be the return to yourself, the return to NES. You get the idea. It's like the new We Shop Wednesday. It really is. With an arguably better drum loop. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Uh, Speaking of of drum loops, by the way, while we've been recording this, Leo sent me his song with the drum track removed. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Kyle's going to make a uh, sick uh, drum track version for Leo's song that he debuted a couple months ago. Um, We talked about that in the pre-show, so for Backstage Pass supporters, you can hear us answer bonus questions from the community and then also... Here, Kyle just wax poetic about drumming. Um, and sing, and weirdly. Si- that's true. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. I didn't agree to that. Uh, Crater writes in and says, Yeah, so quick question. When do you start feeling like an adult? I'm 34, recently got my degree and started working a full-time job in my field. I have a house, a car, kids, wife, yet still cannot believe they let me schedule my own doctor's appointments. <laughs> um, Kyle, um, you're like the most accomplished here. Yeah, I was doing some plumbing the other day Ooh. Uh, I was installing a sink and um, I felt like there was honestly so this was like you f- I felt like an adult for the first time like three days ago because I was like I know I have plumber's tape there's no way I live in this house without plumber's tape I'm not going to the store to get plumber's tape I don't have to do this and I found it and I was like I knew it and then I had that thought in my head where I was like I guess that means I'm an adult now if like plumber's yeah. tape is like a required component of my home Right. So that that's when it. It's when you. It's not when you buy plumber's tape. It's when you bought plumber's tape a while ago and are and have misplaced it, but are sure that it exists somewhere in the house because you need it. Do you think? Um, do you think there's like ancient writing of people, two thousand years ago that are like, I don't really feel like an adult yet, even though I'm forty seven and decrepit. <laughs> I haven't been through my rites of passage. Yeah. How? Oh, maybe that's the thing. Maybe because rites of passage used to be more of a thing. Mm-hmm. in society people were like well i'm 13 but by god i'm an adult and since yeah, those went away I, I think childhood is an invent is like a social construct as we constructed laws to say like this human being is too young to do this hard work right. i think that's just what ended up creating childhood whereas i think you know societies around that time probably didn't just thought of like look it's a tiny human not like a child sure well no i think that there's more of a distinction back in the day with the with the rites of passage. That's what I'm saying. It's like it feels like it's more of a modern thing to say. I don't feel like an adult. I don't think yeah. I'll ever feel like an adult. You know, you see those interviews with some hundred and ten year old 
bag in an old folks home and she's like i feel like a child <laughs> you watch your ass <laughs> people. no respect for you yeah call it rogue uh, plumber's tape but do you, do you think 100 years ago people were saying i don't feel like an adult yet or are we just a really whiny generation no, they're going to like war and shit. yeah is that what it is i guess yeah. hmm. you gotta go to work gotta go every to work. kid has to go to work uh, I, I think for me, it's whenever I realize that like, oh, this is why like because uh, my parents would have me do stuff like out in the yard or like, you know, every uh, one summer we just painted the the like the porch in the back. And like I hated every moment because it was a thing that I was forced to do. But then now, like having to t- take care of a house, it's any time that I feel like, oh, I should get I, I should get kids so I can have them do this instead or, or like yeah. the most adulting mm-hmm. tasks of like, oh, I'm pulling weeds out of my yard. God, no wonder I kept uh, like my my parents kept telling me to do stuff like this. It sucks. Right. And it, I yeah. wish I had another person to just do it instead. <laughs> you're you're inching closer to children as <laughs> I don't know, your your slaves. Is hey, that as, long, as no. long as they are under my roof, they will do. Uh, they will okay. be like my rules yeah. them pull these we- He's paying them $5 and glasses of Kool-Aid. It's fine. Okay. It's, it's legal. Right. And, and like jalapeno monster you'll have. <laughs> Someone, yeah. Someone's got to drink it. Jalapeno monster. <laughs> By the way, speaking of drinks That's and, your right of for kids, I um, we had some folks over a couple weeks ago or whatever, and somebody left a bunch of Capri Suns in my fridge, which yeah. a great say gift. Ag- say that again. People left Capri Suns in my fridge. Capri Suns. Capri Suns? Capri, Capri Suns? I'm a Capri Sun, yeah. What do you, what do you call them? Capri Suns. Capri. You're Capri probably sun. right. Capri Suns. Capri. <laughs> Hang on, now I'm up in my head. <laughs> Anyways, like Capri's, like the short. My, Capri. But my question, no, like my question is, has anybody on earth ever finished a Capri? Capri? What, Capri? Capri. I always thought Capri. Okay. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I just I think you're probably right, because it's something about like jeans or something, too. But has anybody ever finished a Capri Sun and been satisfied with the amount of liquid in that pouch? <laughs> I would argue Not no. Since I was a child. Do you think even I'm as a, I feel like even as a kid, I could have been like yeah. out of the womb and they put like my mother's milk in a Capri Sun and even then I'd be like, this is not enough. I would accidentally poke a hole in the other side of it and drain it all out. Right. right. I Even to my 10-year-old, I give her Capri Suns. I give her two at a time. Like mm-hmm. here, like with dinner, you can have some juice. Here's yeah. two Capri Suns. Yeah. It's a nice diabolical. It's like, how have we just become locked in on this is the size of this drink, yet no one has ever been satiated by it in any way? <laughs> I, just, I, I don't think there was enough national attention, you know? It's just like it was taken out of the Build Back Better bill. So <laughs> <it's> <laughs> Mansion! Uh, Sean Rubin writes in and says, Lots of Wii Sports going on. A new show plus there for the Patreon polls. So I have a fun sports-related dilemma for y'all. If you choose to accept this challenge, you'll be given 10 chances to make a half-court shot in an NBA regulation basketball court with an NBA regulation-sized basketball. If you make one of these shots, you're immediately given $3 million. What if we don't make it, though? Because that just like, sounds like a like a win win. If, oh. if you don't accept the challenge, you get ten chances. <laughs> what? No. All right. There's more to this. Believe it or not. Believe, there's a second okay. half. There's a second half. But just so everybody understands, uh-huh. half court shot. Yep. Ten, ten chances. chances. If you make one of the shots, you're given three million dollars. Yeah. However, if you miss all ten shots, you're immediately taken to prison for fifteen months. Would you accept this challenge? Free rent, huh? Mm, okay. Interesting. <laughs> <Free rent. laughs> 
free food, Man. free rent. And this You're is, betting on yourself, no. confidence. $3 million. Jeez. In high school, yes. Now, no. Okay. What if it's like, if 10's like the cushiest, stupid prison for, you know, rich people or whatever, this yeah. is like a six. It's not, it's not the worst prison. How, how long do you go to prison for? 15 months. 15 months. Year and a few months. I don't, I, I, I actually am reasonably confident that I could, in 10 shots, I think maybe I could make one of those 10, right? What, half court? But, half court. I think so. Yeah. I've made half court shots. But I don't know that risk though. I could, I am terrified of prison. I don't I don't think I could take the risk. You should be, dude. With your freaking lifestyle. Um, they only give you one Capri Sun. <laughs> <laughs> it's hellish. Uh, yeah. After I I might have said yes, but after playing basketball recently and realizing that I gave the worst shot <laughs> yes. on planet Earth, I don't think yeah. I don't think I could take this chance yeah. for three million dollars. Yeah. So no one's taking it. If if I was I given like a hundred so. shots, then yeah, hundred. Come yeah. on, they're they're giving it away at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, what do y'all like for a question of the week? I yeah, like. I actually kind of like that basketball. It is interesting because <laughs> it really because yeah. it was a real. It, usually with like would you rather's kind of, which is not quite what that was. I yeah, feel is. like I pretty immediately land on one side, but this one I really I had to think about yeah. consider. Uh, there's NBC uh, two and the arcade cabinet. Um, there's is this the weakest AAA year since 2014? That was that was a good one. A good I like that one. Good one. I like the one about cars. Uh, yep, the one about cars. Um, I like the basketball. I'm voting one. cars. I'm throwing my vote out for cars. Actually, Sterling John That's get fun. to choose. There are guests. Which, which way are you going? Oh, cars. Cars. Let's go cars. All right. It's in my name. There. Oh, come on. Right. There's David Cars Dubs. On. Congratulations. Your father was a car. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Please, my father was a car. David like Dubs, you just want a prize from I'm 8-Bit. Please enjoy. Uh, and now it's time for something that we call, get a load of this. They changed the theme? That's right. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kyle, uh, what should we get a load of, man? Uh, hey, get a load of my work at GameSpot.com. <laughs> oh, no! You got it. It happened. Tomorrow! <laughs> uh, there you go. That's three. So now I'm, 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 I'm safe. Uh, this is actually, uh, get a load of this. This is, uh, I had never seen this before, but I really loved it. It's a commercial for, what is it for? It's for a beer that like aired in the 90s. And it's. Uh, it it's anime. It's like this like thirty second spot of this like inc- or a minute long spot of this like incredible Akira kind of inspired cyberpunk commercial of like samurais running through this like cyberpunk city, and it looks incredible. And I was like, how have I never seen this movie? What is this? This looks so cool. And then like and then at the end it's like a beer commercial, which it was like it's kind of fun in its own like way that it pulled the rug out from underneath yeah me. It's, uh, so there'll be a link in the in the in the in the description but i i really just love the way it looks it's really cool i think um i'm struck that sounds cool Kyle, but i'm also struck by how quiet people have been about the cyberpunk show on netflix because i thought that trailer looked oh, awesome. i'm very excited for that yeah yeah it's just like an anime but mm-hmm. it seems like no one's really talking about it maybe it's just all big sites are like uh Cyberpunk's poison. We got to move on, but yeah. I think it's okay to be excited I've about this. Certainly tweeted about it because, oh, like, okay. literally the the key art that they shared when they announced it was like directly inspired by Akira. Like, mm. it's like the character mm. facing away, you know, showing their jacket to the back of the camera and like looking to the left. Like, I I think that's going to be really cool. I'm excited to watch that. And Trigger is like amazing. Like, I love yeah, the Trigger's stuff great. that they've done. So, 
Um, hey, get a load of this. Um, this is on an older episode. It was a couple weeks ago of the Next Lander podcast, which we'll enjoy over there. But um, Alex Navarro mentioned they were talking about Vin Diesel's career, and he mentioned something that I had never seen. It seems like it should have popped up some at some point in on Twitter or something. But the fact that some of the earliest acting footage we have of Vin Diesel is in this promotional video about street sharks. Have you all seen <laughs> yeah. this? What? So it's him. Think, it's not a commercial not a that commercial. ever aired. It's like him right? just showing off the street shark toys in like, it seems like a promotional video. So here's here's Vin Diesel talking about street shark toys. What are we looking at here? We're looking at Boomer. This is Boomer. He's got the biggest mouth of them all. He's the whale shark. Say hello to that round mound of pound and his power slam. Very deadly. He loves to tenderize the competition before he You can't him. say that anymore. Then we've got Sledge the Hammerhead. Sledge the Hammerhead loves to floor the competition with the flying headbutt. You got me? <laughs> All right, you got the idea. It goes on for a while. Uh, I mean, I think Brad Bird watched that. And was like, that's my Iron Giant, baby. I think you're right. This guy likes toys to this extent. Steven Spielberg saw him and said, that guy's going to save Private Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a hot take. Hot take. I think greatest acting that's the least discussed in the history of film is in Mm -hmm. Saving Private Ryan, the scene where Vin Diesel dies, the French family. Go back and watch that movie again. It doesn't even feel like acting. There's no acting there whatsoever. When like the daughter's like hitting the dad when he gets when she gets taken back and stuff. It's mm. the most unbelievable performance. Like, who are these people? Why did they all get Oscars? They were really kidnapping that family. <laughs> it kind of felt like it. It's so crazy. Imagine Steven Spielberg going, okay, now kidnap the family. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, John, do you have something? Yeah, I get a little of this. Uh, this is a, an Evo video, and it's uh, a May cosplayer. Uh, May is a character from Guilty Gear Strive uh, who right. hits people with dolphins. Uh, and this May cosplayer ran around Evo with an inflatable dolphin hitting well-known fighting game community members and game producers and whatnot. It's just a cute-ass video. It's about four minutes Love long. It. and. Uh, made me smile. I love so. it. It's in the description. Serial, what aquatic themed uh, get a load of this do you have? Uh, get a load of this. Keeping on the the Guilty Gear theme, um, we we kind of skimmed over the, the Strive finals, but uh, it turns out that there was one of the players uh, named Latif was kind of the favorite to win the whole thing. In a lot, yeah. like a lot of people saw him as like the best Guilty Gear player. There was a right before the event, there was a uh, kind of like a round robin event where a bunch of you know. Uh, one person kind of got a bunch of like high level guilty gear players and he basically was the like the player who won the most um and he ended up going up against like he plays a character named zato and he actually ended up uh dropping out of the tournament because he lost twice to two other zatos uh one of them was left and he's actually a smash player um Mm. and so right after that and i feel like this is this is one of those tweets that makes you think that everyone needs to be more confident so this was this was him tweeting after he was eliminated from the tournament. Uh, No matter how much of a better player you are in Strive, it doesn't matter, unfortunately. I don't care what anybody says or think, I am the best at this game by far. No one even comes close. (laughs) Screw the mirror match and RPS, and good luck to everyone in top eight. Peace. Cool. 
Life so goals. in case you if, if you are having doubts about yourself, don't right. just like go in and just assume the maximum amount of confidence that you can have in any endeavor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, get a load of this from the community. Uh, Tim, otherwise known as Talk9 in the Discord there, where we have a whole channel dead uh, loaded dedicated to get a load of this. That's, that's what you should call it in October. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Um, but it is a YouTube video from the game studio Boca Game Studio. They're working on... Uh, Splitterhead, is that what that game's called? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah, but uh, the founders of that studio go way back. I mean, Gravity Rush is kind of their jam. They're going back to Siren and stuff. But they just posted a new video where it's like over 30 minutes of just a discussion with Shuhei Yoshida from PlayStation talking about his history and working on games like Puppeteer and Siren and the games that they collaborated with. They talk about Last Guardian in there. Um, but it's awesome. Like, I love seeing game studios really take some swings for their own YouTube channel and create some really custom, unique stuff. And it seems like I haven't been paying attention, but now I need to because this seems like the new version of kind of that Harada's Bar channel, you know, the, the Tekken guy where oh, you yeah, just yeah. have these great interviews. But now, yeah, Boca Game Studios is just releasing these cool one-on-ones with Japanese developers. So um, they also had Mikami on, uh, oh, a while cool. ago as well, so i got to check that out. But links below for all this fun stuff. Um, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Just a reminder, we have the next episode of Trivia Tower happening on Monday, August 15th. That's this coming Monday. We need your help defeating Kind of Funny once and for all. Let's wipe that smile off of Greg Miller's face. He's the cock of the walk with this WWE show and everything else going well in his wonderful life. This is the chance to finally make the man frown. We can defeat all of Kind of Funny, but we need your help. And if you want to help support the show in any way, you can jump in at the $2 tier and compete in the Discord. It's really just a click away. You can compete in your browser. It's a piece of cake. So any help supporting us and competing in Trivia Tower is appreciated. Also, you can unlock at the $5 tier the bonus podcast podcast feed where we have party chat which is our patreon exclusive podcast uh this week we talked about batgirls cancellation and a bunch of other fun stuff with the community um then also you get access to the min max show podcast a day earlier than everybody else so please enjoy your uh wonderful treats <laughs> please enjoy your wonderful <laughs> treats that's not a way to promote anything that's, that's gross um also uh anna's internet cafe our new series with anna diaz uh that is on twitch every month so you can follow us at minmax show on twitch but otherwise it'll be up on youtube as well so you can check out the archive there if you want to see anna and sarah having a, a good goofy time with the community uh john what would you like to plug dude uh i guess i'll just plug my twitter for now uh john underscore carson is where you can find me uh, on twitter actually my twitch channel as well john carson games Right on. Awesome. Serial, what's going on? What do you want to plug? Uh, you can find Kyle's work at GameSpot.com. Whoa! There. Uh, and I guess my Twitter, uh, if you Google my name, S-U-R-I-E-L, I'm sure you'll Twitter will find it for you. That's right. That's right. And if you have a game and you said, we need some help with some writing on this game, reach out yeah. to Serial. Reach out. Um, and thank you to all of our supporters. Thank you to everybody who supports us at the $50 tier, otherwise known as the Game Champion tier. They can choose any game under the sun, and this is what these people have chosen to be declared the champion of. Interrata, let it be known, is the champion of Beautiful Joe, the one and only. The Sleepy Mailman, again, I just want to remind Sleepy Mailman, they could have chosen any game under the sun, and they chose Duck Dynasty the video game. They're officially the champion of Duck Dynasty the video game. Kyle Silva, very creative choice, is the champion of Street Pass Plaza on 3DS. All right. I love it. Uh, Pepperoni Forever is the uh, the champion of Unreal Tournament. Juaranis is the champion of, another great choice, Machine Strike from Horizon Forbidden West. 
the game within the game. So Drew Aranis is the champion of Machine Strike. So thanks, everybody. And you can choose a game to be the champion of at that $50 tier, even just for one month. That's totally fine. And uh, Wind Waker won the Grand Game Championship poll, so we'll be making some bonus content very soon, uh, celebrating everything about Wind Waker. John, Surreal, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for having Fun me. Yeah, John, nice to have you on the on the main show here instead of just party it, chat. It's, it's been a while. Well, I don't. I think this is my first time on here. Yeah, I know. So, hey, have me on more. <laughs> okay, well, there <laughs> we go. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Be good, have fun, let's go.